events, events, events. We've got future events. We've got space events. We've got blue bastard events. Whoa. Blue bastard events. That's not a, that's not a swear, is it? I don't. We've said it before. I think we're past that. That's that's not what I meant. I just weapons of X. Yeah, that's coming. Weapons of X. Did you not read the the last page? Maybe not. Guess not. <laughs> well, we'll get into it. Okay. Welcome to the X Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia, and I'm Justin. I was gonna call myself the Bastard of X, but I didn't, I didn't like it. No, I didn't like it. I played it it's in my a head. Wise choice that you didn't do that. But now I'm sharing it just so y'all know. Just so everybody's aware. Hey, are you aware of the rundown? Oh yeah, I am. We've got two Infinity comics. We've got Love Unlimited number thirty-seven. We've got X-Men Unlimited number seventy-four. Then. For those Ruggala books, we have Extreme X-Men number 3, Marauders number 11, Captain Marvel, Revenge of the Brood part 4, number 46, Captain Marvel number 46, for those keeping track, X-Men number 19, Wolverine number 30, and Nightcrawlers Nightcrawlers. number (laughs) 1. Oh wow, what a what a stack. And to think just one, one mere week ago we, we had just three comics. Sitting pretty and able to just talk it out. What a what a world we were living in back then. But you know what we're living in right now? The news? The news. Oh yeah, that's my cue. Yeah, I gotta, you I gotta, usually I gotta, tell the news. I gotta and I give react. the news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, we've got some sins of sinister cliff notes on Marvel. They're helping you understand in case you're just reading a little bit or you're jumping in right now. If you're not reading the whole X line, maybe, maybe I, there's a guy I've been talking to at the comic shop. He's just picking up Nightcrawlers that's because it? he and he hasn't read other things. And I'm he's like, he's gonna be highly good, confused. Good luck, bro. Like, that's, he's going to be highly confused yeah i mean especially like who's this red lady yeah what's going going on on with banshee Banshee? like (laughs) why are all these he wanted it sv stand for yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) he wanted it because he likes nightcrawler he wanted more nightcrawler content spoiler alert it's really not about he's not even in the issue and i said that to chris at the comic shop anyway anyway not to go down that that's news (laughs) to me i guess (laughs) But there is an article about Nightcrawler's transformation, understanding what's going on there, kind of breaking that down, Margali's spells and how it's progressed. And even though what's been lifted, but it's still affecting him. I thought that was a nice little cliff note recap. But then there's also the Suits of Sinister. Oh, talking like they're, about—they're just telling you all the all the people and what they're about. You know, I mean, we we spoiled the heck out of books, so why not them? <laughs> they do it too, anyway. What do you mean we spoil? What are you talking about? If you listen, what are you to talking a, about? If you listen to a podcast about X Men comics, you have to know that the people are going to talk about comics. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I'm not. I I love our podcast. I'm not saying that we, we don't spoil. <laughs> spoiling is is blatantly telling someone that doesn't know the answer the answer or 
putting an answer, putting a, a reveal out in public. We verbalize before... spoilers. How about that? Is that is that more? I just I have like brand? so anti spoiling that the fact that you said that we do that like cuts me to my. Have core. you not listened to our podcast? I don't know. Are we we're arguing semantics at the moment, but disagree strongly all right if we were to like sneak into marvel and get our hands on issues before they came out and read them and then tell everybody what happened before they even have a chance to read them themselves and, and, that would be spoiling and posting it without you know like the the hellfire gala death of scarlet witch before it even came out right that like final page that, was revealed. like at 1 p.m on new comic book day if you want to ruin people's lives that's spoiling what we do is review and discuss. Understand? <laughs> Disagree slightly. Little, literally so bad right now. Okay, oh, what else do you have in the news? We're off to a good start. Hey, so we got we got Nightcrawler mashups in Nightcrawlers, but now we've also got Spider-Man mashups throughout all the covers. A little Spider-Verse treatment yeah. on some covers I posted yesterday. Those are really cool. I'm glad we went back and forth. After I posted it, because of just how amazing that storm spider it's so was, so good. And I'm, I was like, can I get that as art? Honestly, I'm glad that I led with the Rogue and Gambit because the amount of storm cover reveals today was mm. just bananas. Would have been too much, too much front. No, no, no. There's never too much front and center storm. I take no, it back. I take it back as well. I take it back for you. You can't take I, I it. I collect back for it me. for you. <laughs> there was X Men Red Panic. Well, yeah. The, so if you subscribe to Comixology, if you get your issues digitally through Comixology, through Amazon. China giving me a heart attack. <laughs> so he brought something to our attention that others might have experienced. That Thank you their, for telling us. <laughs> their comic subscription to X-Men Red had been abruptly canceled. And Jerry posted, I think yesterday, Wednesday, for those, I mean, who you even knows. You don't know we record on a Thursday most of the time. Right, right, right. Wednesday, Jerry posted on Twitter about the fact that Nimrod was responsible. You know, it was it just was Nimrod's a, fault. Yeah, it was. I a, very much love that. I did too. Thank you, Jerry, for bringing a smile to my face yet again. Now, to take that smile and turn it upside down, let's talk about Talon for a second. No. Yeah. Wait, you have to tell people. You have to finish your story. Was that the end of this? Does that the end of the X Men Red story? Like, yep. wh- why were things canceled? We don't know. It was, it was Nimrod. Nimrod. It was That's a computer it. error. That was that was it. That's okay. all the information we have. Okay. I don't want to talk about Talon because it's stupid and I hate it. So I, I don't like the name. I posted it very uh, <laughs> ambiguously on Tuesday when I posted for Valentine's Day of Sink and Laura, I guess we can say. Sink and Talon. I mean, Sink if she Talon. chose the name, I there's nothing I can do about In it. In world, I mean, that's got to be it. This is not the first time she has been referred to as Talon. Really? Which was a little bit of a surprise to me. So Jonathan, our friend Jonathan Loves X-Men, mm-hmm. posted on Twitter some panels from New X-Men, I believe Volume 2, so Academy X, which would have been the series that would pick up after... I, so I have the first like couple of issues. Uh, this must have been around 2005, 2004. There is an issue, an arc with Nimrod, and he identifies her as Talon. Interesting. In print. It's never actually said, but he knows her as Talon. And he's from the future. The future. So he would Which know. Which is cool that that's right? where. That, so, okay. 
So in that respect, I like it. <laughs> but but as a name, now I'm upset a... because I feel like I have to like it because it makes sense, and that means that Jerry was paying attention. Yeah. Well, which you know, is cool. I mean, if if we want to nitpick and say things that make sense because not paying attention, Rachel Summers should be an Omega Level mute. Well, just no. saying. Because I was saying because he was paying attention I know. to past comics. We I were know. saying not you said not paying attention. So just making still sure. in the same conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um but I just don't like it because like Talon is a bird claw and Talon is singular and she has two claws and she's not a bird. Yep. No, so definitely not a bird. I just don't I don't love it. I'm indifferent. I don't really care legion on zoom had said that batman already has a villain called talon and that's not a good analog interesting which i've actually well, read that story a villain i've actually read that story uh the court of owls it was oh really good. yeah i was intrigued by that we have it still that's what we got at trade paperback yeah we still need to untrade and retrade the paperbacks. Yeah. Hey, so MCU and yeah. or Marvel in general, Quantumania premieres technically Thursday evening into Friday. We're going to go. We're going to go on Friday. Friday it is, night. It is not doing so well in the Rotten Tomatoes territory. Really? Yeah, it is certified rotten currently. Uh, I don't hope this doesn't affect you. I mean, we're still going to see it. That's generally how I feel about most reviews. How do Marvel movies generally do on Rotten Tomatoes? There are only two movies, Quantumania and The Eternals, that are certified rotten. Oh, woof. That's not a good sign. No, it's not. And especially just where things have been in general feedback for Phase 4. So this is kicking off Phase 5. I just have thoughts that like we we like got spoiled as a fandom. And also, like, phases well, one through three or, like, you know, all leading up to Endgame was really, like, building a world that then you could just be, like, fights, 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 fights. Yeah. And now that fight is over and we need to, like, re-world build. So I feel like if you were to compare Eternals and Quantumania to, like, beginning stages Iron Man or the first, you know, like the first Thor movie or the first Captain America movie or anything like that. Like, would you still, would people still think they weren't as good because those were like world building movies also? Yeah, maybe. I think that's, I mean, that's going to be the struggle with a fandom that is on with them for 10, right, 20 years. Right, totally. You know? That's just going to be the challenge going forward of how do you introduce a new phase? How do you introduce a new saga, right? So we are in the multiverse saga. There's been a lot of conversation about the fact that this was a rebuilding phase. Phase four was I mean, introduce new heroes, introduce new stories, trying mm-hmm. to build back up to some momentum to then carry us through with Kang now being considered as the Thanos of the multiverse saga. Right. And I also saw like something that Kevin Feige said they're going to be spacing out the shows and they're not going to be like so back to back to back to back which i feel like is a good thing i think that that's also a positive thing because he did say in interviews about like all right focusing on quality rather than quantity and Mm -hmm. trying to make the movies and the shows better rather than volume i think you know we we were spoiled the last couple years since the 
the dark times of no Marvel in yeah. 2020. But those were dark times. Sure, but I mean, we watched the whole MCU in that time as we caught up. But I feel like it's. You know, I, I don't want the pace to decrease because I just love having more Marvel right. second. But but I would like the quality to be on par with what it is. I, at the same time, I was talking with Juan back and forth. The Flash trailer dropped in the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. And it was like, oh, we're really excited about that. We feel weird about Ezra Miller, but we're really excited about what's going on and DC actually getting their act together. And he was talking about, like, is this Marvel slipping and DC finally regaining some no. Yeah, I mean, like, I think that there's a lot more of a difference between those two goalposts in my mind that uh, they would have to slip real hard. And then, and even at that point, I think the diehard Marvel fan in me is still going to go and see movies. But I think that. I think the bottom line for me is that I enjoy every single Marvel movie. They're just held up on a really high pedestal and it's easy to inflate an idea of what the movie should be in your mind before you even see it. And I feel like because the fandom has grown or become so engrossed in the franchise that oftentimes we have expectations and we have hopes and dreams and desires and headcanons that we don't always see fulfilled because we're not the ones writing the movies, which then leads to us feeling disappointed because it's like a it's like a drug. Like Marvel movies are like a drug. And like you're just like, I gotta get another hit. I gotta get that I gotta next get one. More action. I gotta up the stakes every time. And it's not really like sustainable. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. But this isn't a Marvel movie podcast. No, it's a Marvel X-Men comics podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, other side note, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur premiered on Disney+. Plus. Oh, as a show? Yeah. Well, I guess we have to watch that. Animated show. We missed that. Let's talk about that poll. Okay. I could only put four. We've, we've had this problem before. Mm-hmm. I could only put four. I kept Captain Marvel off because... Wise choice. It's not technically an X-Men or Krakoan book, even though there are more X-Men than others. Mm. But our four, And also, I didn't think that Marauders had a shot at being and the book of the week overall. But Marauders, X-Men, Wolverine, and Nightcrawlers. Who's the book of the week? Nightcrawlers. Bye. Nightcrawlers is at like 68%. 45. Oh, shoot. I have got to just... Next... I'm I'm out. I'm not doing this guessing anymore. I'm just shaming myself every time. <laughs> it was like beginner's luck where I was for a couple it. weeks though. Yeah, but now it's trash. Now it's now it's way off. And now I think- now it's because I I don't say what immediately comes to my brain because I doubt myself. So like I wasn't gonna go that high, and then I was like maybe I should go higher because every time I lowball it, then it's just says well, ha 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 no. <sighs> I did not laugh at you. No. But also thinking that there are four choices and the other two were solid books. So that might split the vote. And I'm not saying like I didn't enjoy Marauders at all, but you know how we feel about Marauders. So Wolverine. So so what was it? Forty what? Forty five. Forty five. So Wolverine came in second. Yeah. No. No. X-Men came in second. Thirty percent. Wolverine with twenty two. About Beast. And Marauders with two. Guys, what? Guys, what? Well, I think uh, of the books, 
And of the people that I've talked to, Wolverine is one that people have dropped because whatever their feelings, if they don't like Wolverine, if they don't Oof. like the extended storytelling or like the uh, the two halves of the Wolverine X-Force story. All right. Everybody has their feelings. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And Marauders had 2%. Yeah. Well, yeah. Which doesn't actually equal 100, but, you know, Instagram math. It's faulty. It's faulty. Hey, let's talk about Marvel Unlimited comics. Okay. You want to talk about Love Unlimited? Let's talk about Love Unlimited. Your boy, Deadpool. Deadpool. He's he's cheating on Salad Fingers, though. (laughs) Salad Fingers. Yeah, that's great. That's a callback. It's not real. I I mean, yes. Yes, I I do see what you're talking about because they did have a very intimate conversation over a couple hours in this bar. Oh, he, he straight up thought they were going home together. Sure. Yep. And I don't know if I'm like, this is an instance. Okay. So what, 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 what are we talking about? So Deadpool is at the bar for all the bad guys where they hang out and they don't ask questions. And there's a new lady at the bar and they get to talking. She wants to see his real face. She knows him somehow. She sees his real face. They chat it up for hours and hours. And then she's like, I got to go to the bathroom. And then she never comes back, but she leaves her purse. Ghosted. She leaves her or. purse. And there's this like shiny gold belt in there. So this is an instance when I read comics like this where I go, oh, this must be a character that everybody knows and this must be a thing that everybody understands. It's like a joke I'm not in on. Nope. Because what is this belt and what does it mean? No idea. Okay. But that's just generally like when something like that happens where it's like, look at me, I have a belt. And then the comic ends and it's like such an emphasis on like an item. Like this was an emphasis on an item of clothing that I just assumed was like signature for somebody's costume that I was just completely out of the loop on we shall find out next week well he's in his underwear and a glowing belt so yeah that's where we leave him written by fabian nicieza art by salva espin colors israel silver letters ariana maher vcs ariana maher what about x-men unlimited oh you okay what did i say to you when i finished reading x-men unlimited this better not be where exterminators lives no i said exterminators should be always like i could have read that issue for for three times the length i freaking love the exterminators yeah we all do what a ridiculous amazing story little boom boom's going on a date little love help on valentine's day and all her friends are spying and they're there to unbeknownst to her help her and she's like get the heck out of here you dinguses you're ruined you're mucking up my date but just like the antics of like jubilee pretending to be a waiter with a a mustache mustache, and wolverine hiding in the corner and then the chef being all like why aren't you working i I don't work here Uh. like you do now just i don't know dazzler trying to like be mission control and but also trying to play down the fact that she's being recognized i'm not dazzler you don't know get out of here I don't know, the the crazy bridal party at a bachelorette. Like, I just, I thought it was great. This felt like a one and done in terms of a story. Like, there wasn't a, a hook to bring you back to a second part. And it felt like a holiday time. Yes, like a issue, Valentine's right? issue, for right. sure. 
but I, I was just, surprised to have this instead of because I'm pretty sure we have like one or two left on X Men Green. Well, I pleasantly wasn't surprised. Unhappy. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Right. <laughs> I I was thrilled, and I thought it was so much fun. It's just the I don't know. It's like the freedom to to have these characters written as just friends. people and friends, and to like play into the fact that they have these superhuman abilities but they also just want to like do shenanigans yeah it's very entertaining it's humanizing it's freaking amazing it's mutinizing i love it written by leah williams pencils and inks by bruno Oliveira, colors by manuel pupo letters josepino vcs josepino vcs let's dive in but not too deep High level, extreme X-Men. Extreme X-Men. Number three. Yeah, this cover, it's it's there. It's a cover. I, I love, what is this, Salvador Laraca? Yeah. I love his art. This Beastie Brute guy, uh, it's fine. <laughs> He's a guy. Well. But, it, I mean, as we're talking about it, things get worse. Written by Chris Claremont and, or by Chris Claremont and Salvador Larocco, which I do like when they share mm-hmm. creative because I feel like it often tips a little on the writer scale, which, you know, there's there's conversations about how that works and, yeah, and especially how collaborative a writer artist team can mm. be. And these two have worked together multiple times throughout the years. And it's interesting, too, because the art can tell so much of the story. Sure. So and how influence much, it. how much input the artist has. Colors by Guru EFX. Letters and production, Clayton Coles. VCs, Clayton Coles. And that cover, again, Salvador LaRocca and Guru EFX. So we last left our our extreme X-Men team, and they were kind of all off in different places. And Sage and Bishop getting their butts kicked. and By Beastie Brute. Knocked out a window. But now we find out that that's... Because there's like other people and there's this girl with like a mini baby sentinel robot situation. They're trying to drain their mutant energy for other nefarious purposes. Storm's coming in all fly. Row. With her with her martial badge. Yeah. I'm the to, law. Yeah. Sage has a headache. <laughs> Kitty and, and Rachel are up in the sky and and she's like you know, it's interesting because Kitty's trying to tell Rachel, like, you need Pay to attention. listen to me because this dude is not a joke and he's been in my brain before and he's trying to take over your brain and you're the freaking phoenix and that's not going to be good for anybody. Right. And so they do exactly what Ogun wants and retreat into Rachel's brain as a safety. But there he is in the sky about to take them down. Yeah, it's, it's not looking good. And then... <laughs> Kitty falls from the sky and she just like plummets deep into the earth because she obviously can't smash into the ground. So she phases through. So after that point, after her conversation with Rachel, she's going to spend pretty much the rest of the issue trying to swim through the rocks. And, you know, Ogun's going to go from Rachel to Beastie Brew. Beastie Brew. And he's going to have a little fight with Wolverine, but Gambit's going to show up and be like, 
Ah, uh, uh, mon ami. I love this gambit. Not my tiny old man. Yeah. Only I could take down this tiny old man. Well, that's a throwback <laughs> to their first fight between the two of them and Gambit pinned him. Well, I like it. And I like that Logan gets upset that yeah. he calls him old. An old Canadian. An old Canadian. But they are the, the nefarious folks. What are their names? Like Soul Sneaker? I don't know. Soul something. Hold on. I'm surprised that you don't know. Soul Scream and... Sanzu. Sanzu. The big fight breaks out, and they are able to take some mutant energy from Phoenix, but it's too much. It's too much, and then they like essentially do something that just sucks all the mutant power out of the air. Out of the air? I, I don't know how far that extends, or if that's caused by the mini sentinel. I believe so. And storm falls out of the sky. Everybody can't feel their power. And it looks like Kitty dies in this rock. Yeah, she straight up is now suffocating and being crushed by the earth because only her hand is phasing through this rock. And then it goes limp and Lockheed is not happy. Neither is Storm. And that's where we leave it. Yeah. My girl, dead in a rock. Dead in a rock. Now I got to wait a whole month to find out what happens. But you're interested. Yeah. It sounds like. Yeah, I like this story. I do too. It's fun. I like seeing the Kitty Rachel relationship as well. Yeah. Best friends for now. Maybe they're more than friends. Sure. They give off secret lover vibes. Especially on that beach. Yeah. Yeah. Or just the the image where um, they're in the sky and Kitty like wraps her arms around Rachel right before they go into the beach. Yeah. They're like surrounded in flames and their hair is flying and Kitty's looking lovingly into Rachel's eyes. That's love. Sure. It's a good time. You should read it. Extreme X-Men. Pick it up. Are you ready for Marauders? Yeah, kind of. Marauders, number 11. I, I really like the style of this cover. Yeah, it's a cool cover. For sure. This is not Peach Momoko. This is Kim Jacinto, who was credited as the cover last time, but it was mm, Peach Momoko. it was Peach. Kim is now taking over on covers, at least for the foreseeable future. Yeah, it's a fun cover. I like that it's kind of following in the footsteps of peach with the like right. pastel kind of color palette but it is it has its own style yes and it almost it almost blends peach's style with the interior artist mm. eleonora yeah that's true all right page turn noise for marauders here we go data page with the laws of krakoa and some interpretations from our fuzzy elf we're just gonna leave the make more mutants to the five can't force people to have babies yeah that's not what we're about here murder no man well really it's murder anybody don't murder anybody that can't be resurrected and even if they can don't really murder don't do it uh respect the sacred land also means people you know that's what land is to kurt well because the community is yeah the land is a land is also but like this land is its people. Right, right. This country, this yes. civilization, essentially. I like yeah, oh. this little and, and try note. new things. Try yeah. new things. Try right. new things. Post-it note from Kate. I, I think it's interesting. So 
how how much do we read into Nightcrawler's interpretations, right? I, I think you know, he is on the council. He is writing whatever the book of the spark mm-hmm. will become. And, and we get some insight into that in Nightcrawler's. But mm-hmm. it's interesting to see him take this role and, and to think about like, okay, well, like, what does this mean for other people? Right. Well, I've, but I also feel like somebody's gotta. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, that was the initial cause of what way of X which is, mm-hmm. hey, we, we might need these. Oh, well, okay. Here's here's what I'm going to say before we get into the, the, the meat of the issue, is that I actually was reading this and really excited about where this story was going because it essentially was at the beginning posing the question of like, where does box where come from? Do, but like, okay, they travel back in time, but what does that all mean? Where did the box come from? How did we get here? What's going on, right? And so Kate is essentially asking those questions. However, as the issue goes on, I was like, okay, I'm getting it. I'm good. I understand. And then all of a sudden I was like, <laughs> no, I don't know what is happening anymore. Just kidding. I feel like a fool. I still don't get it. No, that that's definitely an accurate read of what was going on. I felt like I was into it in the first third and then I really needed that second read to piece things together and to feel like, okay, I, it's crazy and I'm I'm happy for you that, that you think that this is a, a feasible plan, but I don't I don't but know. But what is the plan? The really? plan is the plan is to resurrect Genosha and send it back in time so that it creates threshold. That's the theory and plan is to say, hey, let's take all these dead souls on Genosha, trap it in this box of Mysterium and send it through time. Weird. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But we're we're getting ahead of ourselves. So so Kate is sitting on a beach and she's she's reading the map and she's got questions and, and then, then her little Banffy friend appears. Brimstone Banffin in. Fire and brimstone. That's the scent, not brimstone. Love. I can understand the confusion on your face. Yeah, I was like, we're not there yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not on that page. What, she is having a, a crisis of not knowing what to do. We, you know, we do the same. We get the mutants out. We get the drugs in. But then threshold got me crazy. Uh, it's an interesting struggle that she's wrestling with. Just watching the past as it's alive, knowing that it's going to die, and being unable to do anything about it. But like this, for me, is kind of it's the. It's the secret sauce of my hate for time travel because they've already gone back in time and they've already experienced threshold. So they went back and experienced something that they were inevitably going to create in the future, even though they're themselves at that moment had not created it yet. Right. That doesn't make any sense. It's time travel. How can they go back in time to how can because time is not linear. Time is space reality moving all around you don't don't watcher me things that need to happen so that other things happen like and and really it's just a theory it's the trying to understand how her handwriting in krakoan or or her name in krakoan and her handwriting in the paper in the box all came to be you know how how do you give just enough clue that they understand what to do and how that comes about. But who's to say that that's actually what happened? And Nobody that her knows. Sending this box back yeah. in time and doing this isn't actually just creating a whole nother universe and spiraling everything out of control. Hundred percent. 
Anyway, Kurt's like, <laughs> look into to your heart. Try something new. And then she, she goes, oh, that's what it is. With Let's her do that. And she tries something new. And we're at a title page. This is the start of something new. Pre- that's a high school musical song in case you didn't know. Didn't. <laughs> Pre-Genesis Part 1 Written by Steve Orlando Art by Eleonora Carlini Colors Matt Miller Letters and production Travis Lanham VCs Travis Lanham Kim Jacinto on the cover Like we said earlier I gotta tell you I like The first couple of pages I was like yeah And then I got to the title page And I saw it say Part 1 And I was like no I mean Something this big Has gotta have multiple parts Mm-hmm and especially if you're cooking a B plot. Well, finally we get to sure, yeah. see what our friend Lockheed's been up to it's this just been, whole time. It's just been those one pages here, one pages there. I as don't we know how I feel about Lockheed and Fang being a team and Lockheed not being with Kate. I guess like Lockheed's his own dragon. He can do whatever yeah. he wants. He definitely does throughout history and i do like that like that you know makes him his own member of the team right yeah he's not just kate's sidekick you're right he's not i never thought of him as a sidekick i just thought of them as like a partnership that could only also be with magic (laughs) he's not kate's familiar right but scratch hates krakoa and the split between everyone. Yeah, so he's just going to rip out two hearts. Yeah, I don't... I mean, so he, he wants to unite humans and mutants, but uh, that doesn't track here as he's got this outrageous strategy and plan to unite people through carnage and fear. I feel like he's like, I'm going to unite you by saying it doesn't matter who you are, I will eat your soul. Yeah. Oh, man, this page, the baseball bat as Fang comes in. I laughed so hard because... Because this has been a conversation point. Because it's just been so interesting that like you would say inside baseball, inside baseball. And then it wasn't until literally the week that we were doing our Patreon episode and you were like, the X-Men always play baseball. And I was like, I ain't never seen the X-Men play baseball. Literally right after that. Exterminators they, playing baseball. They played baseball. Yeah. And now we've got this baseball bat and but us mutants we love baseball yeah. and i was like it that's so weird the way the universe works like that to be clear saying inside baseball is something that i say separate from the fact that mutants play baseball right but you said it was like doubly funny because right. yes. mutants always play baseball i love this shot of fang and lockheed yes i mean it is a cool there's shot. been a lot of back and forth and even still i hear a lot of people that do not like the art here but i just i feel like it has over time grown on me and especially this page here with the swing, the crack and just uh, uh, yeah, the dragon fire. I don't know. Yeah, I I like the art and the more I see it, I think it's that it changes the look of the character. Like the characters yeah. have their own unique look in this art style that isn't the same as how there's sort of this general understanding of what each character looks like and how all other artists kind of draw them in that similar tone where this definitely feels like it skews that a little bit so i think that's but once i've gotten over that i actually do like the art how do you feel about your girl on the next page well i feel like a couple of things she's wearing her training suit because she's wearing it in solidarity which she says and also she hasn't been doing much pirating lately so i definitely feel like it would make sense for her to have a different costume 
but I don't want her to revert to her training costume. I would agree with that. I, I really do love the character and costume that she has developed over these years just as Captain Kate and even I, just her continuously being called Cap and Captain throughout this. Like, yeah. I also may have heard through the grapevine that the some characters, including Kate, might be getting new costumes. Oh. Mm-hmm. Who's this great fan? What, what are you talking about? I have a I have a friend, a cosplay friend, who recently went to a con and may or may not have talked to a certain Italian artist. Oh. <laughs> Gave me some insight. Well, he's been from a, across the pond. He's been over in D.C. land for a little while. That's interesting. Interessant. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she's Kate is trying to crack the code, right? And she's talking it out loud with the uh, and makes this wild suggestion of what if we were the first generation all along and we sent things back? Like, what if I made you? And Thea's like, I don't get it, but all right, I'm, I'm down to understand. And then this is the part where I'm like, OK, so we got we got Fang and Lockheed taking care of the brimstone love situation. Yep. We've got Kate trying to solve the mystery of the box. And then we've now got the rest of the Marauders just cleaning up X-Men Green's I mess mean, everywhere. Well, no, this isn't this isn't X-Men Green's mess, but it is referenced to X-Men Green because of what Triage has done previously. I That part doesn't bother me. The fact that there's multiple stories and the team's kind of split. I feel like this actually gets you to the core of the mission of the team. But this isn't... Like, Bishop isn't at the site where Armageddon Man was? No. Because this is the character that has been held captive, right? Okay. So the we're talking about Feedback, not Armageddon Man. So this, this guy, Feedback, is the one who they are kind of rescuing, even though he's dead. <laughs> so Albert Lewis is the one that's was captured and created this explosion. I don't remember where Armageddon Man was. I think I like read the thing about X-Men Green and then like kind of because Jumped. it's so much like my brain spiraled and I just assumed this guy got killed by Ar the explosion of Armageddon Man escaping. Yeah, and I feel like that is the part that that throws me off is it's not the number of plots because I think you know a, a good team book should have right. multiple plots and your character is doing something especially seeding something that'll happen like this is the story of the month mm -hmm. whereas Fang is furthering something that it's been loosely seeded in the background and mm -hmm. then the big story is the one that Kate's trying to uncover right and and that's great synergy of stories it's just the complexity of some of those stories that throws a little little too much but the, the Santo Marco update, saving the peaceful in crisis, right? This is the, the whole thing. Humanitarian aid in some way. Marauders Mutants. doing what they're supposed to be doing. Exactly. Bishop absorbing that power, saving Feedback's dead body. Okay, sorry. But they're also trying to talk Kate out of the theory. You know, just join me in my delusions and let's, let's just visit Genosha. I'm going to stand on this rock... And talk to you about what Genosha could be. Or could have been. It's just all I wrote for this page was time shenanigans, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point. Yeah. 
because that's really what it is, right? And and I, I will give credit to the fact that, all right, so this is a complex idea. It's a wild theory that they're just testing. And Kate talks through it a couple of times. So mm-hmm. it gives us an opportunity to be like, okay, what? All right, what? And even that data page at the end really puts the yeah. button on and top. And she sort of brings it into perspective with like, Breaking down each element of the mutant circuit that can make this happen. Right. But also... I mean, don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. I was very excited to have a Marauder's book where Captain Kate was actually leading the story. <laughs> Wait, she's not dead? She's not dead. She's, she's not, not hidden inside a mask. She's, <laughs> she's here and she's being a captain. And yeah. I like it a lot. Yeah. But Fang is being impatient. He doesn't want to wait for Brimstone anymore. He just wants to crack skulls, trying to weed out love. And the followers take a note and run. I also like that they're like, we don't know where love is. Yeah. We don't know when he's coming back. We're just doing the things we assume he wants us to do. We're just trying to build his base up so then he's like, oh, okay, I'm ready now. We want him to look at us and go, oh, yeah. My loyal followers. those guys. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> all caps time shenanigans <laughs> so we're trying to save more people bishop knows this story which i thought was a really interesting note right so they're, they're talking about what this could be what mm-hmm. we could do right now with this time travel back and forth bishop has heard this story but he never knew would this actually happen with me here with variables of the timeline would this actually come to be? So here, like, so that is a point to say that that does make it make sense, right? It does make it seem like this doesn't just spark a whole nother generation of mutants because if Bishop knows this story, then it all loops back and makes sense. Sure. Here's what I want to know. Since when can Kate fly? Oh, always. She can walk on air, essentially. What? (laughs) Yeah. Which... What? Which, if you think about extreme X Men, like what happened there? Maybe it was she was falling too fast. Yeah, or... that's what she said. Yeah, when she was falling. But in phase, she can kind of step on the air molecules. Oh my god! Amazing. Less so flying, more so falling with Floating. style. Floating, falling with style. What's that from? It's a Disney movie. Pixar movie. Is it Toy Story? It is. Buzz Lightyear. Yes. So what about the rest of them? How are they flying? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> what do you what do you got for that? <laughs> well, so she can extend her phasing powers to other people. It you know, I don't know what she's doing. She like goes down first and then comes back with her hand out and then they all kind of flutter together. I don't know. It doesn't matter because Polaris is here in her OG costume. Yeah. Or her old school costume. I don't know if that's her yeah, it's, OG. It's relatively OG. It's at least harkens back to her original costume. And her and Kate are real tight. Yeah, kind of. Since when we don't know. No, we don't because it's not real. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you called me in and I love coffee because that's my defining characteristic. What, is that ha- what does coffee have to do? Where, why, say, where is there coffee on deserted, blown up Genosha? You know, Kate brought a cappuccino and... Also, we got to make the physicist reference because that was her character she development. Went to college, Justin. That was her only character development through the first year of X Men. Was that she developed a coffee addiction and she finally finished her PhD? Yes, very important information. 
but she's part of the mutant circuit. Tempo's part of the mutant circuit. We're all learning how it works together. Yep. I really like Psylocke's jacket. That's good. what I'll say. That's good. I like it a lot. Oh, I like. I just like the fact that we're trying new things with some costumes. Mm-hmm. But in comes Wicked, the oh. medium. Who I don't know before this. No, very like. very deep cut, very obscure. You know, that's kind of especially not the only deep cut. In I'm this into issue. a ghost this, whisperer. Yeah, right. Well, and even just to say we're going to get consent before we do this. You know, we want to know: do these souls actually want? to be thrown back billions of years and come to life. So does that mean that Kate's father on this next page, as she acknowledges that that's his, her father who died on Genosha is going to then be alive in threshold. I don't know. Then how is he alive in the regular times also? Well, he's not currently alive. No, but like when she is conceived, because then that's when he was born. So this is, this is like, Time travel shenanigans. (laughs) And I do like how they call to Cerebra's purpose here, right? The fact Mm -hmm. that, okay, we have a bunch of people from wildly different times all seemingly being collected here for a purpose that we didn't know until we put that together. But where is Cerebra? She's not here. (laughs) She's running late, which makes everybody worried. But before we wrap up, we get a little brimstone shakedown. Fang and Mr. D have come to play. Who is Mr. D? Just another deep cut. Johnny D, he's got the ability to create voodoo creatures. He's a guy with the weird abs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he is. And a data page to piece it all together at the end. We've got the mutant players with an unsure success rate. (laughs) I love, so the Krakoan. I had to break out my cipher. What does it say? Green Lagoon, because the Green Lagoon has named napkins. This is written down oh, on a Green Lagoon napkin. I love which, it. Which makes me call in a question the legitimacy of this plan, because it sounds like Kate came up with it at the bar. Maybe she did. It seems like she did. I like the way that she put everybody's name in little boxes, and they yeah. all kind of look a little bit different. Yeah. And just it seems like, okay, this. I guess it could work. You know, try new things. Thanks, Nightcrawler. (laughs) Next, Requiem for Genosha. And we shall see what we shall see. What'd you think? I mean, of the Marauders of this run, this is probably one of my favorite issues. Yeah, I would agree with that. I felt like I could actually really follow the story and understand, for the most part, what was happening. And I liked seeing Kate in a leadership role. And I liked seeing the team out helping mutants and helping people. It's nice to get some perspective on what's going on with love and why he's even a part of this story. Yeah. And Lockheed, right? Lockheed's up in up in it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it gave me mind explosions for sure. It was hard to decipher at first, and especially the assumptions and plans that were in play. But all relatively interesting by the end. To take something already so complex and layered and add a few more layered layers on top, yeah, why not? You know, I feel like we have stomached the unsuredness of threshold and now we have to do something with it. I also though really find comfort in the fact that we're quite literally putting threshold in a little box and throwing it back in time and yeah. saying, We don't have to worry about this. Right. You know, like we're, we're wrapping up this story. We're tying it with a little bow and we're saying it's a full, complete circle. Like, it happened. 
we experienced it and now we we made it so that we can experience it and it's just a loop that's going to continue and we never have to go back to it again yeah <laughs> mike loves mariah carey is loving kate's hair in marauders conditioner week <laughs> it's got a lot of volume baby oh yeah vaderino is excited to see wicked again that's a deep cut which spot check they're also asking basically they're going to resurrect all of Genosha in the past to create Threshold in the first place, a la Grandfather Paradox. I mean, that's cool and all, but um, why? Other than creating Threshold, what problem does that solve? Well, which also is interesting. Right. Correct. Right. Don't know the answer. But it's also interesting because the leader of Threshold ends up being... Okara. Okara, but how can the souls of Genosha create the leader of Threshold, which then becomes Okara? Well, I mean, the souls of Genosha are just the base, right? How long did Threshold as a society exist before the True. things that we, right? So generations, the the characters that mm-hmm. came from that, maybe that's why we never saw or, or met Cameron Pride mm. back in time. Yeah, because he would have, because because they had said, oh, this box came from even before we existed. Right, right. It's interesting because I, to Vaderino's question, I feel like it's it's rewarding us for following along and figuring <laughs> out what was going on with Threshold and saying like, no, it still has relevance. It's it was not just it it just I think Threshold in general was a little bit of a confusion creator of just yeah. okay, we know we've got an even more older generation of mutants warlion read axe a couple days ago and in it when ajak was getting judged a person who died because of her told her that her humanity existed in 1 million bc because his ancestors fell in some time vortex he was explaining the avengers bc existence to her so i guess marauders has a good thing in it which is tackling that plot which doesn't change the fact that the book is very bad, but it, hey, it's cleaning up continuity a little <laughs> bit. Until you remember that one of those Genosians' descendants is Firehair, the mother of Thor slash host of the Phoenix. What if Thor is a descendant of Kate's dad? Like, I don't know about that. I think that that, that last Whoa. part was a little crazy. But Well, I mean, it does. It, it's a if, possibility. If you it, think about all sure. the mutants that died in Genosha. And humans, sure. Right? If you're sending them back in time then you're really kind of muddying up what mutants could be related to each other slash sure, yeah. like spawned from each other well, and i think i think that was the the grandfather paradox that vaderino is talking about yeah it is it it does make things quite complex the grandfather paradox is a self-contradictory situation that arises in some time travel scenarios that is illustrated by the impossible scenario in which a person travels back in time only to kill their grandfather, who could no longer go on to produce one's parent, and hence where does that leave you and who you become. I almost feel like this is the opposite of the grandfather paradox, though. Because you're sa- that that's saying if you go back in time and kill your grandfather, then your grandfather can't become your grandfather. But if you take your grandfather, who's already dead, and put them back in time... And then they become reborn. Yep. Now your grandfather's grandfather could be your grandfather. Yeah. And that's worse. All I can hear is the I'm my own grandpa song in my head. I don't know that song. You're not going to play. (laughs) 
we didn't play we didn't play high school musical i just sang it i think you need to just sing it what is it what is the song well i can't sing this song what do you mean i don't know the lyrics to to actually sing the song i just know it it's from a movie what movie tom arnold sings it in the stupids hmm. i don't know that movie it's fine <laughs> anyway let's move on okay captain marvel captain Revenge marvel of the brood part four part four i was i was a little like i don't know confused interested excited i had a mix of emotions to see that this crossover isn't actually crossing over just yet well it, but it will right no no, no that that is fine the promise is there but it just it wasn't what i was expecting i guess i thought that that was kind of going to wrap up and smash into but it seems like we're still on parallel tracks that are slowly converging but at the same time there's a bunch of x-men in this story so it's still kind of it's a crossover sure you know it's more of a thematic crossover mm-hmm let's uh well you want to talk about this cover because brood I madness cover is great yeah I just love it. I love it because it's a connecting cover, and I'm a big fan of those. Oh. There's a third wow. one to it, too. Wow. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. So I merged them together and posted that in the story and asked people what they thought about, like, is this separate stories? Is it a crossover in the traditional sense? And, and a lot of people responded that parallel stories, and it does mm. seem so. And it also doesn't seem to matter which order you read them in, at least right now. Hmm. Interesting. Because there's no reading order for it. Just... X-Men's title page references Captain Marvel 46. Interesting, interesting. Well, let's dig in. Page turn noise. <laughs> Taking us right to a title page. Revenge of the Brood Part 4. Written by Kelly Thompson. Art by Javier Pina. Colors by Yen Nitro. Letters Clayton Coles. VCs Clayton Coles. Juan Frigiri and David Curiel on the cover. As we get Binary's reflection going through all these different things that she has seen herself as. Mm. I don't. I still don't know much about Binary, but the more I read this story, the more I'm curious. Yeah, I think it's interesting, especially as we get to the end of the issue where there's questions about like what she's made up of and how they'll know whether or not she's alive. Is like she's energy. Like right. we don't even know if she has organs. Right. Which... That's cool. But she's not having a good time because she's held captive by the brood. And they're the worst. And they're the worst. Carol is freaking out. Her inner monologue is just concerned about binary. And Psylocke can hear through the telepathic link connecting them all. I do like that, you know, she's like, I'm not trying to listen to your thoughts, but since I'm trying to keep all of us connected and, <laughs> and, and you're kind you're of shouting talking in your mind right. like aggressively, it's really hard to sort of differentiate what's private and what's meant for the group. Yeah, of course, Kanan. I wasn't thinking. Uh, I'd say quite Actually, the opposite. I think you were thinking a lot. And just let's call out Spider-Woman's munchies over here because I think that's just ridiculous and awesome. Well, I, you know, she says she's not hungry. She's just trying to Souvenirs. figure out where, how the brood eat. Right. How do they eat? Because there's no food around. They just eat people. But if there's no people, this is their home planet. Each other. <laughs> they go, they they travel on a, a Conti and they... What? The, the whales, the space whales. What? 
I just heard something very different. Giant space whales. Say it again. Akanti. Yep, not what I heard. Okay. And we'll just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but we get some cool action shots because... Brood fight. The brood are here and we got to fight them. Uh, they're bringing up a good point. The fact that it's just little swarms of them here and there. There's nothing really threatening and especially for a hive mind. So they all should know right. that we're here, we're coming, and they all should be upset about it. It's like they're like... We know that you're there, so we need you. to kind of like give you a couple obstacles. We can't make you think that we don't know that you're here, but we also would like you to go into our traps. Right. So we're not really going to put up that much of a fight yet. I Maybe. love this. This is a cool parallel between the two stories where Captain Marvel is saying she wants to just blast through this door and Spider-Woman's like, well, let's. Just let me just crack the code and get us in because we might need to exit out this way or we might need to close this door in the future. And then in X-Men, yeah, they come to a door and they're like, we're not going to come back out this we way. We don't need this. We can just explode it. Yeah. I do think it's interesting that Carol kind of takes it personally that Spider-Woman rebukes the fact that we shouldn't blast through everything. Maybe there's a softer touch that we can do here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but it's a good point. Like, we don't have to use full force all the time. Sure. Let's talk about Sora for a second. Ooh, yeah. Interesting. Carol is screaming about her and Kanon is curious. Yeah. Who is she? Uh, well, you know, this clutch editor's note. Thank you for that. Yes. To tell you that an alternate reality daughter of Psylocke and Forge. Which is interesting because is it an alternate reality where Psylocke is like Betsy and Quan still yeah, together. I, I would assume just because of the numbers of where that happened mm -hmm. in relation to this, that they would have been separated or, or split. And, Wait, and so then it's like, is she Betsy's daughter? Is she Quanon's daughter? Is she both I think of she, their daughter? No, I think she's Quanon's daughter. So what I'm saying is where this takes place chronologically in Captain Marvel's story. So they're saying back in 22 to 26. So that's what? Two years ago, a year ago. Mm. So we're already in Krakoa in that. Got it. Well, we found binary. Yeah. And Carol's sadness, this feeling of failure is just permeating. Right. Well, I mean, that's a rough thing when you know somebody was kidnapped because of their relation to you. Right. And then you see them being tortured in a way that you've experienced. Sure. So you know how terrible that is. Yeah. Just... I mean, I do want to call out just the facial expression on Carol and mm -hmm. and just the art in general. I love Javier Pina's art. The the facial expressions on the page before, the, the nod and smile. Oh, you're smiling. This is a good thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, my heart breaks for Grey Crow right now, but also, yeah, this is interesting. Ooh, Forge. Every layer they peel back on binary, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm interested. Maybe I'll check out Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe Justin will add another book to his roster. Oh, no, not not picking up in real time. More on Unlimited. Marvel Unlimited. Yeah. No, I'm trying to actually weed off titles off my pickup. <laughs> Cut to the other team. Our X-Men heavy roster. Like two pages of freaking phenomenal art right here. Yeah. So just I love the fact that Polaris is playing catch with Wolverine. Laura, you're my favorite thing to throw. Yeah. Feelings mutual. 
Gambit's it. nervous about what's coming. And nobody understands his French. It's like, sorry, Remy, we love you. And we're happy that you have good instincts, but I have no idea what you're saying right now. They bust through with a giant explosion. And hey, Rogue, she's alive. I, that maybe. I don't understand this part. What? Because didn't brood-infested Rogue attack them in the beginning of their journey? So how is there a non-brood-infested Rogue also captured? Unless there were two Rogues. Because they killed that other one. That's a good point. I don't know the answer to that question. Because now I'm curious and may have to go back. Because they did. They threw her in space and they incinerated her with the jet engines. Indeed they did. So I'm quite unsure. <laughs> is, this, is this another layer of their mind control? Right? They were in the but simulation like, of the Shi'ar celebration. So was the original brood fight part of their mind control? I don't know. Because, yeah, it just doesn't make, it doesn't, that doesn't add up. Sure. But also thinking about Rogue's physicality, could they have recovered, could the brood have recovered Rogue and then is whatever she's trapped in subduing the infestation as a trap lure to get them in the door? Maybe. Maybe, but that feels like a stretch, yeah. a reach, if you will. Sure, I will. <laughs> we've got a problem, though, because we've got a large amount of brood incoming. Just a few brood. Hazmat's got a plan to deal with it. Radiation with the security of Polaris's bubble keeping everyone safe. Except for Laura. Oh, I love that. I love it. Yeah. Just another bump up for Laura on my list. Yeah. Just being like, no, you're not doing this alone. And you also can't do what it is you want to do with all of the brood attacking. Yeah, you. you need protection. And also I have a healing factor. So radiation, schmadiation. Mm -hmm. This Wolverine page. I cannot. This splash it of her just amazing. tearing through brood. I love Somebody it. Somebody call Logan over here. He'd be so proud. <laughs> and then brood go boom. Bye bye, brood. Bahwahoom. <laughs> Next, enter Rogue. And then it says, finally. Finally. But like, bro, she's already been here as a demon brood. Yeah. So, you got some splaining to do, Lucy? What'd you think? I like this story. Like? Yeah. Oh, I love this arc. I mean, you love the brood. That's true. You caught me. I just, I, I love the brood. So anytime that they're there, I'm interested. Phase one. <laughs> but then the fact that the character voices in this arc have been really spot on. The story in general has a great pace. I just felt like a lot happened in this, even oh, though, yeah. even though we were kind of only inching down tunnels, we got a lot of character work. We mm -hmm. got a lot of reveal and some action, some great action. But if you think about it, like in the course of an issue for two separate teams to make contact with, two different people who are held captive and then to both fight brood like that's a that's a hefty amount of stuff oh, yeah, yeah. to happen in one issue yeah yeah the the art in this issue is really great and that might just be because i love javier pena's work no offense to the artist that was on the first three installments but javier has done x-men work and so mm -hmm. that just makes it feel even more like an x-men story yeah. Which this this totally is an X-Men story. It feels with, very much like an X-Men story. With some story. other folks yeah. joined in. Yeah. 
Mike loves Mariah Carey shouting out the double brood week. I've been following Captain Marvel's brood story, and I'm guessing she will be saving the X-Men next issue, question mark. We're going to get a big brood versus X-Men story. Well, I really liked in the back on the last page how they say, you know, they they straight up tell you that it's all going to come together in issue 49. So this is issue 46. So we still have a few to go. But I just like the line of like, tell your X-Men reading friends, X-Men reading buds to get Captain Marvel on their pull lists because it's all going to collide right here in the blowout issue number 49. So that kind of gives you the expectation that these two stories are going to stay separate until then, I think. Yeah, that's what I was saying at the beginning. I just feel like that's not what I was expecting by the solicit of it being a a crossover of the two. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting. It's cool. But also, you, you know... Thinking of it of something we've often been talking about lately is event fatigue. Sure. And this being even a different structure of how an event is that like you've got these two stories and then they will collide. But let's say you only read X-Men and then you're like, oh, let me just get that one issue of Captain Marvel to see the resolve of that story. Or you could only read Captain Marvel and not. You know, like it's just a different format for an event, which maybe is a good thing in the saturation of events and the amount of issues that people are trying to read and keep up keep up with. Yeah, I think especially with how recent Judgment Day was with Dark Web right after it with mm-hmm. Sins of Sinister right now. And now this is like a little mini event. It's almost like a like a lowercase e event. Mm-hmm. But it's cool. Yeah. Warlion read the arc where Carol went to the future when it was coming out. I remember all the next-gen heroes except Sora (laughs) (laughs) laughing. I I, had never read it, and that's why I feel like I don't know some of these other teams. Like, I didn't know Hazmat before Mm -hmm. this arc or Binary, and I don't know if she comes from that as well. But so does Binary being a combination of Phoenix, Marvell, and Carol make her a Chimera? With Wallcrawler being one, and he's half a mutate, I can't help but wonder about Binary or Weapon H, for that matter, a Hulk Wolverine character created by Weapon Plus and is a Savage Avenger right now. So I think that that's, that's interesting to think about, like what counts for a Chimera? Is it mm. just manipulating with mutant genes? Is it a mixture of multiple characters? Well, I mean, this is an argument or a question that I didn't, I wasn't planning on getting to until we got to Nightcrawlers, but if with that question posed, if a Chimera can only be with mutant genes, then Spider-Man would have to be a mutant and not a mutate because... I didn't say only mutant genes, though. So the fact that Nightcrawler's genes are mixed with Spider-Man's genes, it still has mutation in the mix. Right. Well, I'm sorry. I thought that's what you were asking was, is it only mutants or is it a combination of other things? And then is that what makes a chimera? Is it a combination of all things or is it a combination of only mutants? Yeah. Not not only mutants, but is it only a chimera if there are mutant genes present in the equation? So even Weapon H is Wolverine and Hulk. Mm -hmm. Hulk is not a mutant. So is that a chimera? Right. Or is that just a mashup? I don't know. I think it's also a chimera is a thing that exists in lore right? outside of comics. And it's just a, a mashup of things. So I don't know. Interesting. Vaderino said this was honestly delightful. Would be a perfect series 
if I actually cared about Carol. Sorry. <laughs> Sora makes me think about Kanon and Forge being a couple in 616. Mm. And that was that was the reason my, my heart for Grey Crow. Right. I, I was so... That was the couple last year. No, they're still going to be a thing right now. Yeah. Sorry, Forge, but they need to... Grey Crow needs to be around for a little. Forge needs to go mustache somewhere else. <laughs> Are you ready for the other side of the brood? Oh, yeah. X-Men number 19. All the connections on this cover. Just so much battling. Yeah, I love it. Fight, 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 fight. And I, I'm always going to be here for seeing Sync in action. Are you ready? Yeah. Oh, you're ready. I know you're ready because it's X-Men and it's Brood together. Page turn noise. It always starts with a problem. An impractical, unattainable, unworkable problem that needs to be solved. Then... I solve it. Oh, Forge. snap. It was, <laughs> I love these two pages and, and what Sage says about Forge here. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of Forge. Yeah, I, I think I've made that clear over the years that mm-hmm. we've been having these conversations that I just, I think he's great. I think he's a really cool, he has a really cool power. He's so cocky. Oh, yeah. Because of his power, likely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but him and Monet together, like she also has that, cockiness to her so get two people with big heads together who will toot their own horns sure you're you got a whole marching band (laughs) do you just call the big brains in to ignore our advice like yep pretty much i love the fact that so we're bringing up how does this have a gate if it happened before Krakoa happened. Well spotted. You see, after I read that nowhere went through a wormhole in one of my daily X-Force briefings, I reached out to a buddy. Cable bounces back in time to put a gate onto nowhere before it took a trip into a black hole. I think this is so interesting. This idea that we're, we're playing with what could gates give us access to and, and how easily and quickly they're doing time travel as a, a way to do some science. It's kind of crazy. It's, it's also crazy that they're even considering just stepping inside a black hole. Not knowing where it goes. Right. I like that that the team that gets left behind is like, see you when you're resurrected. Yeah. We'll meet you in Arbor Magna. Yep. That's Forge. Smartest idiot on the planet. <laughs> I love these colors. Yeah. And I'm also interested in like, what are they seeing? Like, who are they seeing? Who is this? green caped person on a rock and and who who are these people like that forge is seeing himself with a woman and then we're seeing that the guy who creates thor's hammer like what's happening the green cape woman looks like she has polaris's yeah head that's what i oh wow look at that zoom I mean, from the green itself, I thought it was Polaris. And then I'm like, is this some alternate universe where Polaris is responsible for terraforming Mars instead of Magneto? Or like, is this some crazy future? And like, who's that person whose hand Forge is holding? Like, I feel like because of this, because of the uncertainty of the wormhole, this is showing us potentially other realities, other timelines. We don't know. Right. And this this feels and again to go back to what Marauders did, this is a different story. This has nothing to do with the brood, mm-hmm. at least now. Right. This is seeding something that's coming later on. Mhm. 
Yeah, well, especially when you get to this title page, right. and which is The Brood versus the Marvel Universe, and the summary literally says nothing about what you just read on the previous three pages. Yep, yep. Just, we're doing a brood story. Right. Well, we don't know what's going on in the first three pages. That's for a different day. Lord of the Brood, part one, written by Jerry Duggan, art by Stefano Casali, colors Federico Blee, letters Clayton Coles. DC's Clayton Coles. Juan Fergieri and David Curiel on the cover. Ah, oh, the team. <laughs> you just were so excited about the team. Ah, oh, the team. I love this team. It's a great team. And especially adding... Talon, yeah, to the lineup. I feel like that. A lot of people reacted. Hey, I don't want Havoc on the team. I mean, well, Havoc isn't here. Right? No, no, he's not here after Dark mm-hmm. Web. Right? right? He has left the team. Confirmation of that, at least visually, by the fact that, and also that Talon is here. Jerry has said, and I was listening to an interview. That's how I knew she was being referred to as Talon before this issue came out. Mm-hmm. He said how. Krakoa and X-Men work in this era is that once you are on this team, you still have the ability to be on this team. He also teased some future developments for Sunfire's last thread with Arako and Redroot. Yeah. But yeah, let's go with this team. Just time to rescue Corsair. And break up into sub-teams. I love that. Iceman and Firestar on local protection as Gene and Magic find Brew. Here for the tactical divisions, mm-hmm. it just lets the issue bounce more, right? So it's not just, hey, let's follow this one group right. and what they're doing. We have some ability to juggle. And we can check in with each other and yeah. see what's up. Let's dive into a data page on the brood life cycle, their hive structure, and how that's been upset by the king egg, this Cree bioweapon to control the brood. Nothing new here, just recap. A from refresh. Yeah. I like that as Iceman and Firestar are fighting, he kind of says like, listen, I've gone through some changes. I've grown as a mutant, but there's one thing that will always scare me, and it is the brood. Yeah, which has been a a constant part of Jerry's story with Iceman, right? So he he went off with the Frost Giants and and beat them up. He he terraformed Mars, Arako, and now he's just trying to be in that space where he's finding himself out. He's, he's fe- figuring out where he can go with his powers, but Sleezoids would still give him nightmares. Mm-hmm. I also thought it was really cool to get, you know, even more perspective or understanding of Firestar and have her talking about how yeah. in all these other teams that she's been on, she's always been told to kind of like hold back her powers because she could hurt somebody and how on the X-Men she can just let loose yeah, and like really be her full self. Cut loose, let it flame up and to just light these brood on fire mm-hmm. to just to know that you're on this other world and you're just destroying things that would otherwise destroy you mm-hmm. but we got to find brew so we're going to connect with all the telepaths which first i will say that this image oh, yeah. of all the telepaths is absolutely stunning yeah, it is however i question psylocke's involvement in this moment because isn't she I mean, in space I guess it would make sense that she could also be looking and i guess it would make sense that gene would know that she's also fighting brood and maybe she has some connection or uh, understanding of where he might be. 
But for two writers to be in communication about a somewhat crossover and to utilize a character that maybe is not available at the moment. Right. It's like maybe well, who would you put in that place? Like Exodus instead? Yeah, that'd be good. Well, the fact that Betsy and Rachel are not here because they are on Otherworld. And Charles isn't here because nobody likes him. I think it's interesting that Charles <laughs> is not here at all. I love it. <laughs> Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, man. Sometimes I just like to razz and say say silly things about Charles just because it's a trope of mine now. Yeah. Into the deep, this brood trap buster team. Even the art here, like yeah. the way that the color shifts and it has this like red tint with like the Cyclops centered story and... Yeah, I, want, I almost wonder, is Cyclops using his eye beams to illuminate? Light the way? Right. Yeah, it kind of seems like it. It's interesting. And I love Talon's read on the fact that the brood knows that we are aware of it mm-hmm. and is now waiting to strike. Mm-hmm. Hey, get ready, Cyclops, because... Uh, it's time to give Corsair a C-section. Yeah. He's, he's in a bad way by his scent. I love his joke, too. Corsair is like, hey, I thought we could use another Summer's brother. That is a funny joke. So I So I got pregnant up with, with a brood. brood baby. Yeah. This comes up a couple times, and it's a little, like, I don't need to be reminded about the vault. Like, I, I know the vault happened. It's hinted at or, or dropped several times throughout the issue that the two of them, they're still feeling the trauma or the residual effects of being in the vault for mm-hmm. so long. And I guess it is a lot more fresh for Laura. Yeah. But. Uh, See, I think it was interesting because I liked that we were bringing up things that they had gone through in the vault because they have all this history and all these experiences that we don't know about. And now we're getting to say like the fact that they had to do these kinds of medical procedures in the vault to me, like that's interesting. Oh, no, it's not the medical procedures. It's the fact that they're cornered in this thing and they're getting attacked. So just like with Darwin. And mm. then there's a couple other references where it's like, oh yeah, like when we were in the vaults. Or like, yeah, I know this because we were in the vault. Mm-hmm. There's at least three references to the fact that we were in the vault. And I get it. And, and it's, I don't know. It it didn't take me out of it. It just felt worth noting of, it's, it's, it's getting better, but still sometimes a little clunky. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I guess it just, I didn't, it didn't stick out to me as in the same way, but good to know. Talon is ready to do what needs to be done as they are playing doctor, which is weird. I mean. It's good. No, it's great. And I also like that they're like, yo, Cyclops, turn your head around. Right. Focus on what you need to be focusing on, please. Thank you. I love it. It's like, oh, crap. Uh, sorry. Yeah, no, that's great. Zark. This brood baby in its ch- in Corsair's chest. Mm, yuck. That bites Laura on the arm. She's not having it. Yeah, kill it. Yeah, muscle memory telekinesis. We sure could have used that trick in the vault. Can I tell you something <laughs> that is kind of just foolishly just it's foolish. It's 100% foolish. But I know Sync can use everybody's powers. But the moment he was like, "Well, I could conjure a stepping disc like magic." I was like, "No, you can't." Only magic. What? Don't take my girl's powers. I don't know why. I was that's like, weird. I'm mad. I don't want you to do it. No, that's why we love sync. I don't know what to tell you. I said it was foolish. I, yeah. I prefaced it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Makes no sense. <laughs> Let's go with the evac. The limitations to Sync's powers. I think that that's really interesting to bring up. The, the fact that I'm trying to be precise with keeping Corsair alive. I don't think I can handle doing those two things at once to well, sync with multiple people at the same time with something so delicate. Right. And also the fact that he's syncing with people who are not near him. Sure. Right. right. So that's part of it is like maybe if they were all in the same room together, it would be easier for him to have a more focused use of Gene's powers while also using magic's powers. But Gene and magic are who knows where sure. floofing around the universe looking for brew. <laughs> we make it out Reconnect with Iceman and Firestar. They're going to make an ice fort. Little castle. Just trying to get some protection. Hey, could you get us a stepping disc out of here? Uh, well, I could, but and Talon just comes right out on it with it and says what has been slowly building in the background of Sink's worry. Like a classically good partner does. Yeah. Just steps in and says, no, it's because this is unsafe and unhealthy for you. <laughs> Cut it out. But, you know, it needs to happen sometimes. Life or death situations with the X-Men is right. like every day. Sometimes, but not every time. What's the worst that's going to happen? Shoot me and then I'll resurrect myself? Like, come on. Cheese Toasties. What is that? It's <laughs> way of X. Oh. Now we bookend our side story, our B-plot as... Like, how do they not know that that's them? Literally. They're wearing the... Who else has those suits, Forge? You made those Captain Krakoa suits. I love Monet's line, that is my ass. Yes. Like, like, that is so good. I yeah. thought that was hilarious. Is that my face? No, I don't need to look at my face because I know that's my ass. Yeah. And this crazy end splash. I don't know what's going on here. What is that? I don't know. It kind of looks like Ares's helmet, but robot. And a couple people are connecting it to the world farm. Hmm. Interesting. Well, we'll we'll find out eventually. Yes, we will. Next, here come the brood. Dun dun dun. Big picture. I really like seeing the team be the team, and you know, work together. And I'm I'm really into Talon. <laughs> it's growing on you, maybe. No, it's it's softening. Mm-mm. It's just her name, so I shall say it. And it's like, I don't want to be like Vault Laura, regular, like whatever. Until I come with up with her version of Technogan, she shall be Talon. Um, but I, I like her dynamic. And I think it's interesting to see how she's written with similarities, obviously, to Wolverine Laura because they are of the same but also seeing this just like if it's possible for Laura to get even like harder edged. Sure. You know, like she has all the experience of the vault that has made her who she is. And I'm I'm enjoying getting to know her as a character. Yeah. And I feel like this issue did a lot to kind of really break down. Like I feel that Laura Wolverine she has the potential to be the leader that Talon is, but she hasn't like fully tapped into that confidence yet. You know, like she can do the things and she has the strength and she has the ability, but she still kind of has this feeling of like she's waiting in the wings for her opportunity mm. to really like take the spotlight. Like she'll get the thing done and then she'll kind of like go sit against the wall somewhere and like brew, 
brood. Uh, brood? No. Yeah. And just be like brooding until she is told to do the next thing where this version of Laura She's gone through experiences where she's not waiting for someone to tell her what to do or waiting for someone to need her. She's needed herself. So she's gained a new level of experience and leadership and like this like take charge attitude where I feel like Wolverine Laura is still she's a baddie, but she's just waiting for someone to tell her what to do, you know, like not in a bad way in like a I'm here when you need team me. player way. Right. Yeah, and this this Laura is like. Well, she's been on her own I'm here. for so long, right? Like, it was just, I got this. It was just yeah. the three of them, rather more two of them, for hundreds of years. Right. They just needed to be able to act on instinct, and especially to be collaborating with her partner in that way. They have more of a unspoken language mm-hmm. for how to handle situations. I just think it's cool because you get to see like how Laura could develop into a a leadership role. Yeah. Through this version yeah i really like the team dynamics here to call that out again is probably the strongest we've had in a single issue in terms of splitting the team playing off of each other doing our own things and then reconnecting Uh, everyone has focus and everyone brings something to the mission it's not a singular character Mm -hmm. doing something the fact that monet is here even though she didn't win the vote but jerry's like no i had this thing i wanted to do do with monet yeah go for it i'm here for it you know you were team Monet, so. I already mentioned the thing that uh, about the vault and the number of times that we mentioned it in the issue. Uh, I, I like that we're reminding us of details, but I will never forget the vault. Like, I, <laughs> I know that story. It is fresh in my mind because I've probably reread it recently. Just remember, Justin, not everyone is you. Sure. I love the psychic circuit and the fact that Sync's aging was revealed and that it seems like Corsair is going to live. Yeah, thank goodness. I was getting sad. Yeah, we didn't know. So the Pikachu wants to know, where are Forge and Monet? The same dimensions as those aliens Stellaris are from? Maybe. We don't know. That That's a... One other person had suggested that. And I think it, it could be. Or it could also be someplace further. I, I don't know. I like the idea. Well, I have mixed feelings, right? Because part of me likes the idea that it could be somehow connected to other plots, a story right? that already exists. But then I'm like, oh, we're going, we're entering in a black hole, and like, let's just take a look again one more time at this. I don't know, skull-like face which has a mohawk and like a blue flaminess. Like, could this be like? Where Zorn and Rasputin are, hmm. since it's inside a black hole, and they went inside a black hole. Yeah, the I think I said this earlier, but the helmet reminds me of Ares. Yeah, I just don't know who that is. Is God of War, but also a Marvel character, one of the Dark Avengers. I'll just find any excuse for Zorn and Rasputin to come back. Sure. Mike loves Mariah Carey. Wants to know what do we think is going on with Brew. Also, what the hell is going on with Forge and hello, Monet? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, big fan of where that could go. But I don't know what's going on with Brew. I feel like there's an uprising, right? That was teased in New Mutants a while back. Right. And he had not told anyone, had just kind of been trying to handle that himself. He's the king of a ruthless empire of drones. and. Yeah, I feel like he's the king. But he's not an accepted king. Sure, right? Because it's a that the king egg is a creation of the Cree to manipulate the brood. Right. And I feel like otherwise they have like a 
like a queen bee, essentially, right? Yeah. So maybe there's a little bit of tension there. And there's this, like, who are we actually supposed to follow? And Bruce trying to make it seem like he's got it all under control, but really he doesn't. Especially to compare the vicious, ruthless nature of the brood and then the softness of brew, Mm -hmm. right? And that's his whole thing. That's Mm -hmm. his mutation is that he's not as vengeful, ravenous, and destructive as the brood. Right. Vita Reno says, maybe we should call old Laura the surgeon instead <laughs> because that was awesome with Sync. With Forge and Monet, I've been saying for years, they should just solve a lot of continuity problems with time travel. Thank you. Oh, God. <laughs> Do you think this is going to lead to something with those beings from another dimension that were messing with Vulcan? Mm. And that, so that's the other point to that. I mean, it would it would make sense for all that stuff to tie back together. Yeah, it'd be cool. I'm not sure. I don't know that I've seen any hints that lead towards that, but I'm into it. Mm-hmm. I don't know much about those those three weird guys. <laughs> Comic Extract said, "Penance on the X Men team confirmed." Here for it. Yeah, I mean, let's go. Come on. Let's we were go. all down for Monet. Is that the replacement for Havoc? Because... Penance and Talon on here. Jerry's just doing... Whatever the bases, Jerry wants. As he should. You know, you didn't use Monet for anything else. She's up for grabs, at least just for this art. in the book. Yeah. He also would have preferred that Laura got to name herself on panel. It felt mm. cheapened to just have her referred to as Talon. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. Like she yeah, gets to, to like choose. have the moment where she says, I'm telling. I'm telling. Blonde China said that the brood always scares me slash gives xenomorphy vibes. Where the hell is brew to control them things and what's going on with Forge and Monet? These are great questions and hopefully uh, we will get the answer. <laughs> I want to know what's going on with Forge and Monet, but also like I'm, I'm here for the brood destruction. So if brew is dead somewhere that's fine <laughs> we still don't know if if bruce dead whatever that's fine i mean he's adorable little little sleazoid but who cares i love brood versus x-men action what is it about the brood that you like so much they're terrifying and they have this it's the hive mind and the ability to absorb the powers of the people they infest it's just so interesting to me because like generally when I'm like, these monsters are so cool. You're like, I don't like them. What monsters? What are you talking about? Like anything with like teeth and like is grotesque looking. And I'm like, I love it. And you're like, Ugh, no, thanks. No, that was just that was like the little Krakoan flowers in X-Men 92. I think that's where you're, you're getting that from. Yeah. Um, there have been other things, I'm sure. But I think it's also, I read the first Brood arc when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and that terrified me slash interested me at a point where I was an impressionable youth, and it stuck with me. Like that, that gave horror vibes mm-hmm. to what was otherwise a fun superhero comic. For sure. Blanchina is also not a fan of Prodigy trying to creep his way onto the team. Like He can make his little cameo, but that's it. That's it. I don't know. Prodigy was one of my one of my choices for the vote. You did you vote more than once? Of course I did. <gasps> and you shamed me. No, I didn't vote for the same I didn't vote for different people more than once. I didn't vote for Prodigy. I wanted to though. He was initially after our our House of X conversation, I kinda thought, okay, mm. maybe not. 
Are you ready to talk about the bubs? When was Prodigy in this issue? Right there. That's Prodigy. Yeah. It's Sage. Forgot about him again. Yeah. The new Havoc. Okay. No. Yes, I am ready to talk about the bubs. David. The bubbity bub bub bubs. The bubs and the blue bastard. It's a, just an uncomfortable cover. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, honestly, I was talking with Blanchina before we were recording. He's probably one of my favorite villains. Oh, yeah. Right now. Because that's what we need. In the same way that I gave respect and loved having Brand to be this force against the people that I root for, you need someone to be doing this. I know I understand in the same way that Ben Riley fans are upset with what happened with that character. Mm-hmm. Beast fans are seeing this as just a, front. A, a destruction of his character. And mm-hmm. I totally understand that. I'm sorry for y'all. I've only ever been a passive Beast fan. so Certainly an interesting destruction of character. Right. And I do think that there is some, I don't want to say a lot, but there's some wisdom to his approach. What? <laughs> Everybody else is doing it and they're going to do it against us. I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that and just say page turn noise. Uh Uh-oh, Wolverine's on a beach. Are you triggered? He doesn't have a surfboard. (laughs) Wolverine has been known to be on a beach, just never on a surfboard (laughs) before that issue. I like his little naked swim realization of... Finally putting the the last bits of the pieces together about Beast's betrayal and murder and what he's got to do next. Yeah, he can't trust that Beast, but he did, and now he's angry. Sage has the intel and the plan to follow. Can't just kill him, but I really want to. Let's talk about Black Tom and Maddie in the biome. Oh my goodness. We're Black Tom. I feel like Black Tom's just getting weirder and weirder. I mean... He's always been kind of weird, but they did talk about the fact that him connecting to and through the veg has been creating some difference in his mind. But what's the difference between the veg and Krakoa? Like, isn't the veg Krakoa? Yeah, yeah. but it's it's the way that he is melding with mm-hmm. Krakoa, almost to a degree of what Warlock had done. Yeah, it's just interesting. To have Krakoa in his mind, essentially. But like, listen... We don't want to babysit, so we're going to make a little mini Black Tom for you to play with. Little islands and little meats. <laughs> Maddie ha ha. Maddie ha ha. But, oh. but it's not so ha ha when Maddie gets stung by yeah. some crazy, messed up, very clearly beast manipulated. Right. And you see this watcher in the shadows that kind what? of. Yeah, right. I missed that initially, but. Someone opening the door, letting the bee in, even has some beast-like features. No, that's a hundred percent beast. It just it felt a little less fur, but then as I zoom in on the second panel, no, that's definitely. Oh my god, he's totally trying to murder that child. Yeah, I just thought like somehow that wasp got in there or no, was no. in there. No, this is all a plan of beasts. Freaking beasts! Yeah. yeah, yeah. Black Tom is not okay. Oh, the heartbreak in his eyes. The fury of Wee Tom (laughs) to just destroy this bee. I love it. I did love that part. Oh, gosh. You will not kill my friend, you tiny bug. It's a title page. Father knows beast. The beast agenda. Beast must die. Written by Benjamin Percy. 
Art by Juan Jose Reap. Colors by Frank Diarmata. Letters, Corey Petit. VCs, Corey Petit. That cover, Lennel Francis Yu and Romulo Fajardo Jr. On to the Healing Gardens. Oh. Recovering from Poison and the Saris. <laughs> Black Tom is really feeling bad, and Wolverine is like, I don't give a crap that you feel bad. You messed I up. I gave you one job, man. How you doing this? Is this a Krakoan mutation that created this bee, or is it biotech? And I think X Force is like, no, this is they totally, know. this they is totally know. beast. Even though we haven't done anything about it, this is yeah, totally. Why beast haven't brand. they done anything about it yet? I don't know. They're, because uh, they need to slowly gather evidence for the council. I mean, it makes sense. The rank of what Beast has, and also what we find his backup plan. Ooh. You can't just come at him like that. Or can you? It, it looks like you can't. <laughs> Whatever. Cecilia's going to take care of her. Go do your mission. Yeah. I just love how everyone here is in on it. Like the, the hit squad of X-Force has known Sage and Wolverine, but now Black Tom and Cecilia mm-hmm. are, are in. Like, oh, no, wait. Beast has been doing what? As we go off to Jeff Bannister's house, this monologue about sovereignty and trusted friends. I feel a little bit like Wolverine is jumping the gun here. And assuming that Jeff is working with Beast. I mean, it's all he's got for information. Yeah, we find out he's wrong. Well, actually, no, we do find out that he's right. Right, he's right, but... Not the same motive that he assumes. Right, and just to to be like, okay, you know that you and, and Jeff were working together and you went to this place and yes, Beast did kill you there, but like, I don't know what Jeff was gonna do in that moment. With all those other people just letting Beast kill you. Like, if he tried to do something, he probably would have died. I think it's also just the curiosity of him not being here, having destroyed the gate, selling the house. Like, it just feels like he up and left. So maybe that is reason to give him a little bit of benefit of the doubt. But it furthers their pursuit of something's up with Jeff Bannister. We don't know exactly what, but there's connections to things that we don't. Right, understand but, he, but even his daughter coming and saying like you have to help me because my dad's in trouble with the blue man like clearly it's not a amicable relationship mm-hmm. he's more on the run than it is than abandoning i think they don't know that though i just think that wolverine should have that perspective a little bit Instead of, that's just my personal opinion. I think that he should be giving Jeff a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt for someone he considers to be, like, his friend. Yeah, yeah, Find Jeff Bannister on this data page. I love the fact that we're using burrito sales, carnitas burritos, to (laughs) target his location. He knows his burritos. No, this is definitely the one. Kentucky bluegrass and beer. But uh, we broke in and we set off an alarm and the house exploded. So gotta go. Gotta go. Need to find clues some other way. Like this gives me the espionage vibes, Mm -hmm. right? In the same way that X-Force has at times the action hero movie, stake out the CIA. Continuously in this issue, Wolverine is leading us to the place where we're going to get at the end where he can't. He's just reacting. He's not thinking. He's going, even though Sage is like, maybe 
squash the berserker rage in you he he's not really able to do that he just keeps crossing the line and here that's not who he is though. sage I mean, is like we need to talk to this guy and wolverine's like nope i'm just gonna threaten him to get what i want that's that's who they are though that, that's why together they're able to work out a, a solution that actually does get them the information but no wolverine is the hand he's the fist Right, right. I'm just, but I'm just saying, Sage is going to be pissed when she finds out what happens at the end of the issue. Sure. You see him threatening this guy's junk with his claws. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. You see this? You see this? Yeah, you know, no, yeah, I see it. This guy is terrified. I mean. No, yeah, I would be too. As he should sure. be. Jeff friggin' Bannister, <laughs> working in chaos at the X desk. Yeah. I mean, this immediately raises questions. Yeah. What are you doing? Why are you associating with them? You requested this transfer? You know, I've read the whole issue. I know no, where it comes like, from. No, but like, I mean, even me reading it, like, I just came at it from a different perspective. Like, you requested this transfer? I was like, nah, he didn't request this transfer. Beast requested this transfer. Sure. Like, Beast has leverage. Beast is blackmailing him has to be or controlling him or manipulating him in some way yeah dolores doesn't like jeff's mess though she is tough but also jeff is ridiculous clean it up yeah yeah. stop wearing those stupid shirts i love his shirts it's not cia professional peekaboo up behind you sneaking in his car and just immediately shooting at him the other thing that kind of gave it away for me that something was up and not right with Jeff was this like scar that he's got on his face. I don't recall that he always had that. Um, I think he did. It just felt more prominent to me for some reason, or I noticed it more than I've ever noticed it before. Yeah. Well, it's just the the fact that he's running from him. Right? He knows Wolverine can heal from these gunshots, and he's right. just yelling, stay away from me. Mm-hmm. You know, please, I, I need to distance myself from you. And Sage, coming in with the action hero, sneak attack. And all is revealed. I'm doing it because Beast has my daughter. No, we have your daughter. What? No, you can't. You can't bring her near that animal, that, that madman. No, we're not on his side, you fool. I'm working for X-Force. I'm a double agent. You mean you're working for Beast? I, I don't know. What's that mean? We are upset with him. Which kind of makes me wonder, like, how long has Jeff been working for Beast under the impression that he's working alongside Logan? Right. Sure. You know, like. That's probably why he easily went. I mean, obviously his daughter's safety, but to be accepting of the fact that, no, you're you're the leader of the team that Wolverine's on. Right. We talk about you. and, And so often, as we're seeing beast is doing under doing all of these things under the assumption of like everyone else working with him or giving him information or whatever assumes that all of x forces is in on this and beast isn't like walking around going i got my own personal agenda to take care of even though that's actually what he's doing yeah but then the conversation is cut short as jeff is sniped from the bushes and wolverine hunts a beast you better start talking or start dying Guess he's going to start dying. Yeah. Ooh. Ah, I love it. I love it. And the the trickery of this ending page and then not the real ending. Right. You get the 
preview of what's next with Weapons of X as our tease. Ben referred to this as a post-credit scene. That's what it felt like. That's what it is. You know, that that is the the ending of the book, but then we see a tease for what's to come. I think that's why I didn't really read the Weapons of X thing, because I was like, this is a weird place for this page. There's still more pages. Yeah. What's happening? A secret lab and a skull. Who do you think you are? Mr. Sinister? What kind of evil genius is this, Hank? What kind of what kind of maniac has bodies in tubes just ready to go? Sinister? Mr. Sinister? Yeah. And now he's really going to be a villain. Like and what happens now? He operates from the shadows. Because he because no one can know because obviously Wolverine's going to be like I freaking killed Wol- I killed Beast because he's evil. Sage has been gathering evidence, but here's his dead body. And say to the council, we can't resurrect him until y'all figure this out. And so it's not like anyone would, if they don't resurrect another beast, he can't be seen walking around the island. Until he makes a move. And if he's got this kind of technology where he's able to walk out and be conscious of what just happened. Yeah, like what? how? how? Right. No, I don't know. How? There's levels of... Krakoan technology that he's jumping right now. Well, he did. He is the one who gave the egg to the peacock man. So he clearly has some kind of like connection or ability to like get an egg with a husk inside it. And he also was involved in the Krakoan medicines. So he does understand some inner workings of how Krakoa works and is able to play off of things the fact that you have Krakoan technology throughout this lab like how is he doing the backup I don't know because he he must be doing like his own like Like every single night like yeah backing himself up or doing yeah some kind of live feed I mean what does he say I knew this time would come now it's here and everything is about to change so like does he literally remember that Wolverine just killed him I don't know I would question that But I don't know. Or is it just that he wakes up in here and he's like, oh, I don't remember. Someone killed me. Depending on the last time I was backed up, I only know so much, but clearly someone killed me. And, I mean, to think of the fact that he's been hyper aware of the fact that he can't die, Mm -hmm. right? Because then they might tamper with my memories. So he has built this out of not necessarily because of Wolverine or X-Force, but just fear that someone's going to try to reset him to another point. But the other thing too is like him saying I can't die also means because I know that the second I die, I trigger this thing to happen. And then people would find out about this. Mm. I thought, I think that this comes out of the fear of not being able to die. Like, like when he was taking out his eye because of the little man in his eye, I feel like this is an evolution of that thinking and especially just all of the, the spaceship prison and all the other secret ways that he's been operating on the island. Mm-hmm. It just, it's crazy to think of X-Force number one and where we started. And like Fascinating, studying all these things and, and just where he's gone now. I don't know. It's insanity. What would you, you think? I mean, we were talking about it already. I mean, I was very satisfied that Beast was stabbed in the brains and yeah, the throat yeah. and like that happened. And I'm, and I, I'm happy that the story is moving forward in this place where like we're questioning what Beast is doing. We're making a plan to finally take action and we're telling other people like don't trust him. Yeah. You know, like that feels like a good step. And 
I mean, I personally just really enjoy the Wolverine and X Force stories, so I enjoyed this issue. Yeah, I thought that this hit the action adventure spy thriller vibes mm-hmm. that has kind of been missing for the last few issues just because of what Wolverine's been going through with a really interesting personal journey of him fighting through the kind of beast mode that he's Mm -hmm. been put into. Glad to see Logan finally taking charge and handling things how he knows best. The espionage, the double agents, the betrayal. I thought this was great. Yes, there's something to be said that it's been a long time coming, but I'm glad it's here and it's been month after month of delivering on his payback to Beast and just mm. building to this point. But I don't think that this is anywhere near done. No, it's definitely not. I think but the Beast agenda is done. And now Weapons of X is going to be its own almost Wolverine event. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I feel like I didn't feel as good about what Logan did I think as you did because I I was like yeah vindication kill beast but I also really felt like I understood Sage's perspective on it oh yeah we need to take him down for real I think that I was a little bit not with the story but just with the character of Wolverine like frustrated that he just was like he just went to that place and just killed him after he's continuously with Sage throughout the issue and just keeps going to that place when she keeps saying we need to not do that right now. I think it's also important to consider how this Wolverine is different because of however he got his his memories or his personality. That's true. That could have more of a primal berserker instinct within him. Right, like this is Beast's own fault. Right. So the way that Logan's acting is a result of what he's been through Mm -hmm. over these however long it's been. Yeah, that's true. I thought there was a really good supporting cast lineup throughout this issue. Like Sage actually doing some field work and getting serious about what we can do about Beast. Black Tom just being ridiculous. Black Cecilia actually has something beyond just being the, the background doctor. Yeah, when she like lit up with her powers yeah. and was like, I got this. I was like, yeah, look at her. She's a mutant. The faces in the art still feels weird to me at times, but I do like the environments and I do like the visual storytelling. Look at those swole legs on that last Ugh, page. God, that he's so disturbing. I don't like how much nudity. he's dripping. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mike loves Mariah Carey said that Wolverine gets my vote for killing Beast. Read it again and again. <laughs> Pete Woods, 86. How did Wolverine get all his memories back? Yeah. We, we are through Krakoa yeah, mark. I don't know exactly and if it's like his brain kind of healing I think that that was a little bit of the conversation over the last couple of issues but it's not clear no and especially someone that has never really had access to all his memories it's even more unclear for Logan yeah Blonde China said, even though it was short-lived I know we can all relish in that final snicked mm-hmm. right ah just it did feel good. It did. It was, I thought that that was going to happen in that Craven arc. Mm. Just happy to see it here. BMCG2 wants to know, has Beast been working with or spying on Sinister? His backup seemed aware. Right. That's right. what I'm saying. It's, it's a very just, Sinister vibes. Well, you know, you think about the fact that he is not, he's not kidding himself and thinking that I am a good guy. Right. Right. But he also doesn't seem to consider himself a villain. He is the gray 
immoral in between doing what he feels he needs to do. Mm -hmm. And so he's taking advantage of literally everything that's happening before him. Right. So he's taking advantage of the methodologies of all the other scientists on the island. So to say, is he spying on Sinister? I think he's learning from what he's doing. Yeah, for sure. He probably knew all about Sinister's Moira backups and just didn't care. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Especially with X Force, he was probably like, "Yeah, he is. He's Sinister's doing the right thing. He's trying to make iterative planning. He's trying to make Krakoa the number one. So I'm fine with that happening. <laughs> the number one, but also under Sinister's thumb. JPV Cavalcanti wonders: Am I the only one who feels like there is a story about Beast that we don't know about? Oh no! No, uh, yeah. There's got to be more. I just want to know." When he and Brand are going to, Ugh, God. sure, right? But I hope I, they're never. I just feel like that that one page was a seed, right? right? When they met talking. on Arako and she felt inside his eye socket. Ugh. <laughs> oh God, why? <laughs> why, would, why would you say that? You. Warline said after reading Wolverine, screw Beast. Also, it's good that the OG Beast is gone. So, the the guy that has been, I don't, but I don't know how much of him is gone. Right? How does he has he replicated through Krakoan technology some ability to back his memories up? Because he seems to come out raring yeah, in the he's same like, way. I knew this would happen. Like I don't know. I don't know. So <laughs> Warline also points out so X Force wants to protect Jeff's kid, who was recently cured of cancer, by putting her in a place that causes weird plant cancer. I mean, they've been stupid a lot of times, but not that stupid. <laughs> What, the no place? The no place and, and what happened to Moira and how oh. she had this advanced form of cancer and was coughing up weird things. and Interesting. Yeah. I don't think I made that connection before that the no place is what caused. Well, it was never confirmed on page, but I think that, that was a lot of insinuation. I'm Red X Baby saying, Logan killing Hank gave me hope for a moment, but then he pulled a sinister. And that, that's really the parallel. Yeah. Is that this man is... Rocking with the full sinister lineup. Mm-hmm. Remspring has said that somebody theorized that some, but not all, of Beast's actions are because of Chronicler. Interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure how that works. I think we've talked about it in the past. Like how how many people can the Chronicler puppet, and is there something that needs to happen that puts him in contact with? Right, because I know in I think it was X-Force issue one. Peter comes from Russia, right? So he was on the other side of the enemy lines trying to save mutants out of Russia. Yeah. Is that how the Chronicler got his ability to manipulate? I also just feel like we've seen all of this evidence of the Chronicler and Colossus, but there has been no hint at it being connected to to Beast. So that feels like... It's a cool theory to think that that that's maybe the reason why Beast has changed, A-wall. you know, changed his character traits. But it feels like a far, it feels a little bit like a reach to me because there's no, like they've been so blatant about the Chronicler. Like they flat out told you like it's not Colossus and 
that just feels like why wouldn't they have made any kind of connection to Beast as well if he was also being manipulated? And the other part that now that I'm thinking and we're talking about it that makes me feel like there's some distance between the two is Beast's accusations of Colossus being a spy for Mm -hmm. Russia, right? Right. So would, if he is also operating under that same influence, would he want to call out their top guy? Right, he wouldn't he wouldn't even call attention to the idea like the chronicler wouldn't allow for him to even or mikhail wouldn't allow for him to even call attention to the idea yeah it's interesting because it unless, makes me want to know the extent of the chronicler's abilities right unless that was like a way that the chronicler was crying for help through through beast. the ma- manipulation of beast but yeah, it just, feels like an interesting theory but i don't know that it will pan out that way Vaderino said, satisfaction at last. And then, nope, never mind. <laughs> Do you think it's possible to repair Beast's character in the future? Or is there no going back? They did it with Forge, Black Tom, Bishop, and Emma. All of them have made good guy comebacks. Is it possible for Beast too? I think it's possible, but it would have to be like, I think a resurrected version of Beast that doesn't have these experiences. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I think they'd, they'd have to essentially do what Beast has been afraid they'd been doing this whole time. Just wipe his brain. Right. Right. Because I, I question how far back this whatever it takes mentality comes from. Because mm-hmm. it, it's been seeded at least lightly in the past. Just him. What was that? Him trying to figure out the bringing people's powers back, like working right. with all of these evil scientists and him bringing the. Oh, five to the future. Right. Like, like these are high level manipulations of the time stream. The, the watcher telling him that you have you are a, a terrible person that could destroy us all. Mm, beast, beast, beast. Galetta Grafico wants to know when is Beast going to be killed and then his body thrown into the pit? That's like a double whammy. Like we're gonna kill him and throw him in the pit. Ooh, I and don't then, know if that's a good idea. Well, that, that's the the problem with the pit. I, I mean, if he goes in dead, how does that affect? I, I, don't I wonder. Know. Yeah, right. I wonder. I wonder if there's anything that Krakow can feed off of or can be influenced by, or because that's the problem with putting him in the pit is that, and the council doesn't technically know this, or we don't know to our extent how much they know. Right. Because they do. There has been reference of the imprint of Sabretooth onto the pit. Right. Gilbert Rojo, 1022. Can we just kill that bastard already? <laughs> okay, Alicia, what are your thoughts on Beast this week? Oh, what are my thoughts? He's the worst. Kill him. Kill the but beast. But also, I'm scared of him. Yeah, well, especially at that end. Yeah. But as now even still, like, that you pointed out the thing about it, him being lurking in the shadows, it's like... He's freaking ruthless. He's killing a child. Yeah. Because she's afraid of, because, well, not because she's afraid to lose her dad, but because she's exposing him. And then at that point, it's like, she already came here and told people that she's afraid of you. Right. And so like, and they're already what suspicious. other information does she have that killing her is going to prevent from coming out? Sure. But I mean, you know, you, you experiment on people and you, you do all these things and, and the threshold for what you're willing to do gets much wider. Yeah. Yeah. 
Are we ready to talk about Nightcrawlers? I mean, I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Okay. We want to say anything about that cover? Oh, that cover. Mm-hmm. Y'all, I think we all know how hyped I am about Nightcrawler in general. So mm-hmm. having his spirit bamfing all over the place, it's just, come on. Come on. Come on. And especially, uh, we'll get to it, but. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we go. Page turn noise. And the little eyes in the shadows. <laughs> in the Sanctum Sanctorum, Fox Ignis is scared of the Banffs. I like the dual personalities of Banshee and the spirit of Variants just chatting with each other. Right. So it's been a while that they've been together. Mm-hmm. Ten years. Yeah. Still bonded. Still kicking. The Legion of the Night attacks from the shadows. Threats, strikes, fashion insults abound. I like these. We've got the... Well, we they get named. Some of them get named after, but we've got the... Wolverine Nightcrawler mashup. We've got a Toad. We've got a Sabretooth. We've got a Spider-Man. I think it's interesting that we've Toad got a is here. Domino. And a, is that a Pyro? Oh, yeah. Pyro. So here's... Okay. Just to... Because it's here and it's the time to talk about Nightcrawlers. I know that there is this incense of Sinister. There, everyone is a Sinister. Captain America becomes a Sinister. All of this. But... I just find it very interesting that all of the Nightcrawler chimeras are mixed with mutants, except for Spider-Man. Like, I don't know. just seems like a weird choice to have one non-mutant. I mean, humans are mixed with Sinister too, right? Right, but... And so the, the only thing that makes this team what this team is is because they're his most ruthless assassins. And Spider-Man with his strength, with his agility... Mm-hmm. That's why I question Toad's placement on this team. Right. But, you know, hey, I don't like Toad. <laughs> Let's just try the Scream of Change. Come on, SV. Just give it a whirl. Give see what a, happens. You know, this internal argument that they're having back and forth in the, the narrative captions. And it works. Oh, we don't even get any reference to M-Plate being a part of this team until that last panel on that page as Laura Wagnerine is able to take control of herself. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if you know who M-Plate is. I do. I've seen him before. Ah. Your thoughts are alarmingly unsinister. <laughs> <laughs> and then she just... Dead. Yeah. Don't question me. Also, scream at all my friends, please. Auntie Fortune is free as well. The teleportation of the domino bullets, just this last corner panel on the bottom, just shooting into the bamf. Yeah, it's crazy. That's so cool. It makes you like like she, her and Sabretooth, M-Plate, Wolverine, like even Pyro. Like these these people are on this team. Spider-Man, sure. I, I could see how he could be manipulated to be a ruthless killer. Mm-hmm. Toad, no. Well, at the very, very end of the issue, Pixie is there. Right. And I'm like, where did she come from this entire time? Well, that was on like the recruitment drive that they're doing, trying to, the Colossus gets picked up too. Yeah. This is Wallcrawler sucking up to... Banshee, like, oh, you know, I, I just want to tell you, I didn't really, I, I like the stripes. <laughs> I wasn't making fun of you earlier. It wasn't me. 
And we're curious about our existence in this sinister world. And his face is like, I don't want to tell you. I don't, I don't know. I don't think this is my place. I don't know if this is the right time. You know what it is time for? It's a, it's a title page. Creatures of the Night. Voices of Fire. Written by Cy Spurrier. Art by Paco Medina. Colors by J. David Ramos. Letters Clayton Coles. VCs Clayton Coles. Lionel Francis Yu and Sonny Go on the cover. New toys. This data page past dated to be happening before the year 10 we're currently in. This is when Sinister first discovers he can play with Nightcrawler's DNA. Because it was the off spell limit. has been broken. The spell has been broken. Margali's magics have been lifted. The savagery that he serves Kurt here is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the mental note at the end and the way he archives his questions slash work. I, I love it. I love this as a peek into his mind. I also like sinister studies. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's a man of science. He's a man of iterative work and reflection. The On... House of the Fall. Oh. Formerly the Summer's House. Yeah, just the implication of names made me think that Stasis has a lot to do with the fall of X and that the Summers family is in trouble. Mm, maybe, but I I mean, I feel like that could be true, but maybe he has something to do with the fall of X and Sins of Sinister, but once Sins of Sinister's over, I think the trajectory of what happens with the characters could be very different than what happens with them here. Sure. I also just think that Orcus has a big role to play with fall of x for sure and for sure. stasis is orcus mm-hmm. as we happen upon our sinister trio mother righteous just serving the disses left and right revealing her play let's just talk about her takedown of kurt's stepmother mother. doesn't really look like a takedown it looks a little bit more like a sexual experience between the two of them sure <laughs> the way morgali's like arms are like behind her back and she's just like there on this she's probably tied up right and needs to be sacrificed in a way in to... a very sexual pose just saying yeah she's undone margali's magic stasis is just as much sinister as sinister like mm-hmm. this is fool his ham-fisted work why would you undo all this because i'm a sinister fool you're I, the fool because i knew that i could take advantage of these night crawlers. But yeah, she reveals her heart. She's so angry looking. Mm-hmm. Wait, wait, you're under no unrealistic illusions about being the original. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, sass. Super interesting and fast fight. Like Stasis's weapons are great. Personal defenses, teleportation baffler, improbability dampler, and my favorite, anti-personal flechettes and dermal... Pseudopodia, I had to look that up, like what that means. Mm-hmm. So dermal, referring to the skin or dermis. Yes. And pseudopodia, a temporary protrusion of the surface of an amoeboid cell for movement or feeding. What does that mean? Tentacle arms from his gut <laughs> or his back. It's basically just, <laughs> that's where they're coming from. Well, don't worry because you're going to get snicked by a tail. Oh, I love that she's got a claw on the tail. She's got claws everywhere. Bamp snicked. And then there were two. For here, for now. Mm-hmm. Orbis and Mother, a secret team up? Mother Righteous 
killed Stasis for Orbis in exchange for answers. It also reveals why she wanted to undo the Nightcrawler curse. She now has access to his most deadly assassins, and they think that they're saved by her Mm -hmm. and her people. As we get a data page on a Dominion and the World Farm, those details on Dominion's always existed and will always exist. I think that that's an interesting thing to call out. Mm-hmm. Especially, uh, you know, going back to Powers of Ten, if it's always existed, if it exists, then it's throughout time. It's Right. It's going to happen no matter what, in some form or another. I think it's interesting, the two diagrams and how the world farm is essentially a dominion that's like, like if you think about it in terms of if it was like a cell and those are like the atoms like floating around or whatever, like it just seems like it's on its way to becoming. That's, a, that's his goal, right? Right. Is That's what he's been doing at the world farm is to just build into what could be something that already happens. Generally, I don't understand data pages of that density. So to have a visual representation that makes it seem like this is trying to be this. Similar things. Look at these two pictures. See how one can become the other. <laughs> Very helpful for me. Thank you. As Orbis reveals his plans. I took the lab. Yeah. He's not here to just evil villain monologue, but he also has his world farm crunching possibilities of what could happen, how to build into his ultimate goal of Dominion. The fact that they all know about Dominion. Mm-hmm. But listen, we're going to go, we're going our separate ways. I'm going to build my army of Banffs. Go, go gather and free the people, which is crazy. Why does the Col- the Colossus Nightcrawler really doesn't look Nightcrawlery except <laughs> for a tail? It's just the tail. I mean, his costume always looked kind of Nightcrawler esque with the the sleeves opening up in that way and the pointing down of the the trunk of his suit. Yeah, we're Z- going to get Colossus from the Savage Land. We were gonna go say Hayden Namor, but that didn't work out very well for us. Get out of here. <laughs> I wonder why. That's just because he's underwater? Is it because of Namor's genes? I don't know. In the same way that the the and and is is it because Namor is not a nightcrawler? A nightcrawler, right? Yeah. Because that's essentially what is saving them is the essence of Nightcrawler right. being pulled out by the scream. Right. Down to Grim Alcan Lane, the prime cloning facility. As we find Nightcrawler. There he is. Tim and Nemesis still together. Big head friends hanging Uh, out. Playing caretaker over here. The spell has been undone, but he's still affected and getting much worse. The only way to undo it would be for resurrection, but sinister, so no. (laughs) (laughs) This is a beautiful page. I mean, ever since Nightcrawler was growing the horns, I was upset by it. I know. But to see this and like Nemesis's head with all the weird fungus explosion from it. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's Pixie. Okay, yeah. I missed that somehow. I do like the um, the Peter Tingle coming back. Sure. Yeah. And him being like, "There's this weird, like, tingling feeling in the back of my head." You don't want to see it. What is this about? Nope. Don't want to see it. 
off to the Avengers Crater, formerly Avengers Mountain, seemingly Mother Righteous's hideout as the Legion of the Night bring gifts, a book of the spark, a limbo rifle, the brain of Cortez. I like the brain of Cortez as like a power enhancer that we can yeah. just carry around with them. As long as you're not taking away Cora's burning heart, I'm fine with it. <laughs> Look, here's the lab. We need to get in there. This is what we want. How do we get in there? You know, th- this part right here is what makes me th- question these pages. What side is Mother Righteous on? She's on the good side. Uh, she's on her own side. She's on the good side. The way that she paints the picture of other people trying to do things for their own means. But hey, you know, I want to I wanna save more of your kinfolk. I know. She is manipulating this group. She's playing them completely. I know. I just can't trust her. But I want to. The reliquary perilous ability to purge sinister from all mutants. So, you know, you should probably do that and help everyone who's not as lucky as you. Any volunteers? Yeah. Wallcrawler. How did you feel about him being called Wallcrawler after Dark Web? And that's what isn't... Wallprancer or... I thought Wallcrawler is what... I mean, he says, Rack, a, says he says a bunch of random. It just words. stuck out to me as like that's literally the name that the demon version of himself gave himself. But he's going. He's going to do it because he feels the sinister taking over again. The sinister strain seems to be reasserting control, and the way that mutates maybe are affected by this implant of the virus that is sinister. But I also, what I also love about it is that. He was sensing his spidey sense coming back and his spidey sense is what's telling him that the sinister part of him is starting to take him over again. Right. But he doesn't know that that's what it is. Something bad's happening. I can feel the diamond devil whispering in my mind. <laughs> Even just, just, uh, spirit of Vox Ignis. Hey, uh, aren't surely that's suicide. Shush, 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 shush. Come on now. Let's we- let him just try it anyway. Let's let him bamf and explode as everyone watches in disgust. I also love that his skeleton still has a diamond on it. Yep. Yeah. The boy died for the love he bore for his kin. Love for the world. For the sacred spark inside us all. What? No, no. He died because you you tricked him into doing this, you mad woman. Well, you know, tis the sinister way. Banshee is shaken up by, by it, though. Well, of course, because Banshee truly believes that she's on the good side and now he's seeing her yep. manipulate these other people and he's like, um... Interested to see how that plays out a hundred years in the future. Yeah, but we have to gather all these trinkets. Yeah. That's the key. My holy thieves, my buccaneers of light, we need the instruments of the gods. What do, what do we need? The Eye of Agamotto? The dark hold. The dark hold. Meow meow. Meow meow. <laughs> Siege perilous. Is uh, that is that the king egg? Maybe yeah, or or something associated with the phoenix. Excalibur, the sword? Question mark. That makes sense. The sword of might. That looks like Genesis's headpiece from okay. Ten of Swords on the right. And I don't know. Is that like? That's just a red orb. That's that's a Rocco. And and is that like red 
gem is that something of maddie's or that's the siege perilous oh that's the siege perilous oh then what's the other gold diamond looking thing i don't know what that is intrigue next we've got immoral x-men number one next week can't wait for that one i love that this is a weekly event yep yeah i just great i I, what did you think I'll, i'll let you go first but i like how different this was from storm and the brotherhood like yeah i liked that the way storm and the brotherhood took us over time and showed us things that happened in year one and in year 10 and got us ready for the next one but then how this was like no we're just here you know we it. got here you you already understand after reading that one sins of sinister kind of how things got here right so we're here and this is where we're at and, and i just thought it was cool to just kind of be dropped into this in a sense like post-apocalyptic world like that's what it felt like to me was like a post-apocalyptic story yeah and it just it felt a little more complete as a story in my mind in that it it felt like we did bigger things Hmm. like storm and the brotherhood felt more like exploring a conflict between two or three characters whereas this was like we've revealed some power players. The reveal of the power players was at the end of Storm and the Brotherhood. This was seeded throughout and how mm-hmm. that relates to these different people. Every issue leaves me feeling like I want more from from this title, from this event. And that's a good feeling. Like I'm glad. I, I wonder if that's going to I just I fear that we're gonna move through this event so quickly and I don't want it to be over. Yeah. I felt that since the first issue. Yeah. The thing, one thing that I think is really interesting is that this is year 10. So not only did Mother Righteous go 10 years without revealing herself to be a sinister, but the other sinisters went 10 years without knowing yeah. and didn't seem concerned right. that there was another. Like, they have did to they know just assume that the fourth one is already dead? Like, right, right. You know, it's it's just like, wow, like that's a power move on her to be like, it's been 10 years and you guys think you know what's going on, but you have no idea what I'm up to. Yeah. And also, I like seeing the different perspectives. Like I like Orbis being like, yeah, I stole the lab and I'm not going to tell you that I have destiny and mystique working for me. Like right. I did it. Right. I stole the lab. Like, no, you didn't, dude. Yeah. I just I, I do want to say again, I love the art in this. Yes. I just think that especially having this concept of one artist on each time period gives it this anchor and fluidity Mm -hmm. that makes it feel like it's one story but at the same time nightcrawlers is its own one story yeah it's such a like in terms of an event it feels like a small event in terms of number of issues right Mm -hmm. what 11 issues yeah across three or four months essentially right the other thing that's cool is you know you're set up with this idea that okay everyone's a sinister right and then we bring up this thought of like okay well storm hasn't died so that's how she's no longer a sinister and we're thinking like oh storm and the iraqi are the ones who are going to be like essentially saving the day because they don't have the control of sinister within them but now you're getting this team of nightcrawlers who has been freed of the hold of sinister so those are more people who can like 
rally together. And I think, you know, the in- initial impression for me was that this was going to get worse for everybody before it got better. And even though it is because Sinister has, you know, hands and everything and there are multiple Sinisters all vying to be the number one Sinister, but being able to see how, you know, the the quote-unquote good guys team is building in all these different places and then to know that it seems like Banshee and the Spirit of Variance is at one point going to decide that they don't want to be ruled by Mother Righteous anymore right, because right. they they question her motives. And so, like, does that team end up teaming up with Storm and the Brotherhood? And does someone from Immoral X-Men come in? Like, is there some way that one of them becomes free and or, or you know is not resurrected there's some secret agent in that group and like how how does the takedown happen it's like every time we think we know what's happening with this event we don't actually know which is really cool right and i feel like that's because of the ability to have so much unknown revealed to us in Mm -hmm. these in these slices of time right right so all of that stuff had happened across but we get this impactful saving of the the nightcrawler chimeras that really lead us to what could then how do you like the 90 year jump from here yeah that's so crazy the thing that i just thought of is because you keep talking about how you wish there was more of this and we're like oh but event fatigue and would people get annoyed with that and i mean blah, i don't blah, 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 blah. what how long like age of apocalypse you have two omnibuses of that right i do yeah so that and that's the whole thing right so you know, they when we um, we've talked about it and at the panel at New York Comic Con, they talked about how this is essentially like that idea, like Age of Apocalypse idea. It's it's Age, this, of, Age of Apocalypse meets House and Powers. Essentially. Right. It's this era's Age of Apocalypse. And when you think about it like that, you think about how many issues Age of Apocalypse was and how much time there was to live in it and explore that universe and that world. But also wonder like. Age of Apocalypse didn't span a thousand years, did it? Uh, well, we don't know how far ahead in time, right? So we know that Xavier is killed. Right. And we don't know how, it, it couldn't have been a thousand years just because everybody's alive. Still, right. Right. So Magneto is just older and he's formed the team. So I'd say maybe 10, 20 years, but then it lives in that space for the entire event. Right. Which is. But. It explores in a similar way. So it has four issue miniseries that go into the different characters and the different arcs within that. So kind of similar with this where it's got, you know, there's a lot more overlap Mm -hmm. between those four issue miniseries. And then you have the Alpha and the Omega. And I don't know, actually, is there an Omega or it just starts with Omega? Anyway. Basically, what I'm saying is that, you know, when we were talking about Storm or when we were talking about the just the OG Sins of Sinister issue, there was a conversation of like, oh, well, we don't want to have a fatigue, whatever. But the more we get into it, the more I can see like we're having this be a longer standing world that they live in could be really interesting. And it seems kind of sad that we're not going to get more of that. It seems sad in the sense that it's it's really successful and it's really good and it's really interesting. At the same time, 
that's what you would want it to be, right? Right. You want to leave people wanting more rather than hitting them over the head with it. Right, because if it was more, would we want it that much? The fact that every title is a core event issue, Mm -hmm. right? There's no one-off tie-ins of what's this character doing? What's the X-Men team doing? How did they die? Or like, we don't know where that plays out or how that unravels. I did think, I think I suggested it when we were reading Sins of Sinister number one, that having some having a one shot in between some of those time jumps mm-hmm. could have been interesting but at the same time maybe that would have slowed down the pacing right you know, there's a week after next week that there is no sins of sinister issue what rude and from then on until the end it's every week so i think could that have been something that closes the gap of what happens between year 10 and year 100 mm. maybe maybe or is it is it necessary? Maybe. But maybe the thing that makes this so juicy is the like... The unknown and the right. reveals. Right. Yeah. Well, the Pikachu wants to know what our favorite Chimera is so far. Woof. Yeah, right? Big question. Right out the gate. I mean, obviously, Wallcrawler is up there. Mm. Uh, if I can say Rasputin, I think she's probably I, yeah, at the top. Let's get me more Rasputin. She's been on covers. Where is she? She's coming. I need her. She's my favorite. I did like the what looked like chamber and rock slide combo. Mm. And I thought that that was just, oh, and the Madrox Angel Havoc looking guy. Oh, yeah. You were supposed to pick one. I can't. Well, that's what Ooh, the question the, was. The Marrow and Maggot. I just love them all. I want to be sinister. <laughs> I, would, I want to make my own chimeras. Remspringa wonders, do you think Wagnerine will make the jump to the main world after Sins of Sinister? Like, will we bring any characters with us after this ends? I don't know. But if we do, can it please be Rasputin? Because <laughs> I've been waiting since House and Powers. I think it would be crazy to have a third version of Laura. Yeah, we can't. I don't think so. I think I don't know. I mean, we can just because of how many different versions there are of Logan. No. No. <laughs> Not into it. Sorry. No, I actually love Wagner. And I think that's a, such a cool chimera. It's one of my top choices. But... I just don't know. I mean, it all depends on how this ends, like how we get out of this. Because if if the ending is is essentially a reset, then those chimeras don't exist. And it would have to be like, it wouldn't be bringing them from the story. It would be a recreation of them. Well, I mean, that's the assumption, right? Is that it's a Moira reset. I feel like that's the engine that's there the whole time. But then how do we learn from this? Right. How do we we take back some of that information? And so it's got to be something that is a, a twist on that. Right. Or it's not that at all. Right. And and it's usually Rasputin and she takes everyone back through a black hole. Usually <laughs> if they say that the audience can guess the end at the beginning or, or through the story, then it's not a good end. Right. Like that's you not should, the you end. should pivot from that. So right. you show people the lab consistently and then you find some other way to and do it. And then you go, suckers, that's not how it goes. Yeah. Blanchina loves seeing the different crawlers, but felt sad for them looking for higher purpose, like looking for this this meaning to their lives. Right. Well, they don't. It's also this conversation of like they weren't they don't come from babies. Right. They're just poof. Here you are. Or shall I say, bam, here you are and you exist and you have this directive. And then that little voice in your head that's puppeting you disappears and you're like, who the heck am I? What is life? He wants to root for Mother Righteous, but she's not exactly giving the good side vibes, LOL. 
I know. I want to root for her too. You have been rooting for her from the start. From the start. Uh, I just, uh, she seems like her and Orbis have the upper hand entirely. She's got the topmost hand. Uh, I don't know. The world farm and destiny in his corner makes me think it, it's definitely going to be a fight between the two of them. She had 10 years of sneaky business that they knew nothing about. Who even knows how many years Sinister's had because of the Moira clones? How much he's worked on to get to where he is right now. Like Diamond Sinister? Yeah. Yeah, but he doesn't have the clones. So we're talking about from the start of Sins of Sinister to now, Orbis has had 10 years of thinking that she's not a contender because she's not a Sinister. And now he knows. He did not seem worried at all. This is fatal flaw. Blanchina also calls that the spade sinister Orbis is in the lead for Dominion so far, but excited to see what the Immorals will bring up next. Right. Uh, yeah, because so far is the key, because we don't know where Diamond Sinister's at right now. Sure. We don't know what he's doing. I just feel like he's in uh, not a great place. Like He hates where he's at. Well, actually, we do know because he's with the council and they're starting to question uh, yeah, him. Yeah, they're doing yeah. whatever they want to do. Mike loves Mariah Carey. Okay, the dozens of Nightcrawler variants was just too fun. I love the creativity. Yes. Yeah. Because you can you can take two different things, mash them together, and I'm excited about it. Especially if you're taking my favorite mutant, right? And mixing them in, mixing them in with all the others. How crazy would I guess it would be redundant? Never mind. I was gonna say a magic and Nightcrawler, but they essentially just teleport. So, I mean, magic also brings some other things to her, and Nightcrawler also brings things outside of teleporting, like being able to crawl on walls and mm-hmm. disappear in deep shadow and. Pete Woods 86 wants to know, is Mother Righteous a good sinister? Ah, it's ambiguous. I know Alicia will say yes. She's kind of resisting the smile. But I think just the way that she was talking and the way that she was manipulating the Nightcrawlers, it just didn't feel good. She's a different sinister. Yeah, she's not on the good side or the bad side. She's on her own side. Who do you, like if you could say, because what we were just talking about mixing anybody with Nightcrawler. Like, who would you mix? Nightcrawler and who? Hmm. Exodus. Ooh. I just feel like normally when I think about Chimeras, I want to go... Like, Exodus has a lot of power, so I don't know what the limit is on that. Mm-hmm. But I just feel... Especially with Nightcrawler's ability to get in close whenever necessary... And Exodus's ability to boost his abilities with confidence in himself mm-hmm. and to be healing and a, a telepath and a telekinetic. And I don't know. I just feel like that would be a good legion, you know, <laughs> like top shelf. Let's go. Emma. Yeah. How sexy Nightcrawler Emma. <laughs> Vaderino feels like Banshee should be smarter than this. Dude was Interpol. It's been 10 years. Come on. Nightcrawler concept is fun at first, but I get the feeling they're just cannon fodder at this point. Like they're going to be killed off. Well, yeah, but at the same time, they haven't existed until like nine years, two months, whatever, because he couldn't play with that DNA. So they haven't been nightcrawling around, bamfing around for 10 years. They've only been for eight months. Yeah. And I mean, they technically by definition, are cannon fodder in the sense that Sinister's making them as his assassins right. to send out. And, and he doesn't care what happens to them. Sure, because they'll just make more. Right. He's got the mold. Wise Guy 73 1701 
just noticed how Mother Righteous is the opposite of Mr. Sinister. Fingers crossed for a quote-unquote hero. That's what I'm saying. I don't know. (laughs) I don't see it. Not like a hero hero, but like an anti-hero. More of a hero. Punisher hero. More of a hero than Beast. Let's just say that. You know... (laughs) Literally everyone is more of a hero than Beast. Even Charles? Triggered. Why do you have to bring him into the conversation? He's not here. Warline wants to know, is Wallcrawler Justin's new favorite hero? Uh Uh-oh. I mean, you have the seeds for it. You you take in two of my favorite characters and mix them together into one? If he had been around for longer, maybe he would have become your new Uh, favorite. But he's dead, so it doesn't matter. Don't bring it up. Duggan isn't a part of the Sins of Sinister's team. Okay, so Psy is going to kill his Sinister. Blat, blat. We're down one Sinister. And so immediately, too. Nope, no messing around up in here. No, we're in the fight for Dominion. I mean, the only thing that is a red flag to me, as far as like saying Mother Righteous is not a good guy, is when she's listing her foes. And Storm is Storm there. is one of them. And yeah, and that she's contextualizing literally anyone that's doing anything opposite to what she wants to do as bad. Right. That's villain territory. But she's got a heart on her head, so she's a good guy. <laughs> it's a false symbol. It's a playing card. You're getting played. Shut up. I know what's happening. Warline said that Mother Righteous wants the Darkhold, which Sinister seemingly destroyed when he killed Wanda. I know that Wanda's books aren't X-books, but they've been written by a member of the x Slack, so they should consider the continuity of things like that. And I think that that's, isn't the Darkhold like merged with Wanda and because killing Wanda just in case? They also, don't you have, and this is just general talk of the Darkhold. More than one. More than one, copies of, or the instructions written elsewhere. Right, aren't they on Mount Wondegore? And I don't know if that's just... In the movies. In the movie, right. Mm. You impressed? I knew the name. Yeah. Yes. My brain is working. Kid Wolf, PJ, calls it out for Mother Righteous. Gaslight, gatekeep, girl boss. Yeah. It's the Mother Righteous story. That's her story. That's her vibes. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Oh man, what a She's week! She's not gonna really be a good guy. I'm just gonna, no. I'm gonna stick with it though, as right. my. That's fun. You know, just just to have hope, some fun. Just hopeful. That's it. Just to razz your taz. Razzing my taz. That's it. What's coming next week? Immoral X Men. Immoral X Men number one. What else? Because there can't be just one comic. Imagine. No, that's not real. Betsy Braddock, Captain Britain, number one. <gasps> yes, Rachel. Sabretooth in the Exiles, number four. Okay. And Deadpool, number four. All right. Four I, comics? Four comics. That's manageable. I've got Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, number 20, and Strange Academy Finals. The week after that, there's only two comics. Oh my gosh, what's happening? Y'all, guess what? I read the next issue of Mary Jane and Black Cat. Black Cat and Mary Jane. I love it. I'm hooked. You I, had it right the first time. I did? It's Mary Jane and Black Mary Cat. Mary Jane and Black Cat. Well, whatever. I like it a lot. Yeah. No, it was a ton of fun. And and just the fact that Sim is involved it's is... It's just fun. Yeah. Well, um, thanks for hanging out with us. And uh, just a friendly reminder that if you like hanging out with us and you want to do more of it, you can subscribe to our Patreon for just $3 a month. And we do about three to four 
mini episodes, almost one every week. Some weeks were off, but they come out on Tuesday nights and they're called Afterthoughts. And we revisit the comics from the week before with, you know, nonsensical theories and a lot of fun. And uh, it's just $3 a month. So hop on over to Patreon and uh, become a patron. Yeah. Until next time, old friend. Charles. Get out of my life, Charles. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. <laughs>